Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Dory Funk, you don't know what you're getting into, boy. You don't know what your goofy brother is dragging you into. You're getting involved in something like that poor fool that was hooked up with O.J. Simpson's wife. O.J. Simpson's wife, that poor fool, look what he got himself into. And you're going to get right into the same thing. You're going right into the same trap as that dummy. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to end up just like that dummy this Friday night at the ECW Arena. We did commit the crime, and we will do the time. Yeah, rock a rock went there, Ronald Goldman. And let's also put in perspective the fact that that was said in 1994. It's only, what, a month after O.J. Simpson was arrested and charged with murdering Ronald Goldman and Nicole Brown, you know, when they uh, went there on ECW TV at the time, uh, most of us were like, wow, wow, they went there. But I'll tell you something even funnier. Anybody that follows my shows for a long time, you know that I have noticed a lot of little moments that WWE removes from shows. Uh, Nitro, Raw especially, and not simply because it's music they can't use. or No, there's a lot of politically incorrect items that they have taken out. I guess whoever was in charge of uh, re-digitizing um, the ECW content for the network probably didn't know who Ronald Goldman was because that is still up on their website now. Anyway, what's up, everyone? Don Tony here. Welcome once again to This Week in Wrestling History. This week, we focus on the time period of June 18th through June 24th. And wow, the response from last week's episode was amazing. I guess you gave me a little bit more incentive to find some oddball clips and some common sense memories for this week. Got like 23 clips, I think, for everybody. But let's kick it right off very quickly. 1948, the NWA was formed. Simple as that. 1979, I, look, what do you want me to say about it? Look, want to reminisce about the NWA? Look, it was formed in 48. It, it was the biggest professional wrestling conglomerate, you know, working on the territory system. And obviously the NWA isn't what it used to be. But Billy Corgan is trying to revive it. Not doing a bad job, but it still feels like uh, it's in uh, wrestling purgatory. 1979, Pat Patterson beats Ted DiBiase to win the WWF North American Championship. Now, you know, some people that cover wrestling history, you know, they really need to actually think before they write stuff. Because what have you heard over and over again? That that title was renamed the Intercontinental title. Uh, the funny thing about it is that in September of 79... Uh, Patterson became the Intercontinental Champion. 
WWF did the fictitious tournament as a way to crown him the title. They claimed that WWF was in Rio de Janeiro, and they had a tournament to unify both the North American and South American titles. Pat Patterson, quote-unquote, beat Johnny Rods. He was the holder of both belts. They were unified to rename it the Intercontinental title. The only thing is, two months later, Pat Patterson would lose the North American title to Seijay Sakaguchi in Japan. And then I think the title was uh, no more by 1980. So technically, the Intercontinental Championship and the North American Championship both existed at the same time. 1980, memorable feud, a feud that a lot of younger fans out there aren't even aware of. You know, you go in the WWE Network and you go back to, you know, the WWF in the early 80s, one of the most memorable Jimmy Snooker feuds. Obviously, we got Morocco and we got Piper and a few others, but his feud with Ray Stevens was phenomenal. And growing up as a very young wrestling fan, when Ray Stevens pile drove Jimmy Snooker twice on the concrete floor and they had the big red X on Channel 9 WWOR TV, it was just uh, fascinating to see. And, you know, the matches weren't bad either. Well, a couple of years before, three to be exact, Ray Stevens and Jimmy Snooker were tag team partners. And this week in 80, they beat Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood to win the NWA World Tag Team titles. And uh, there's some footage of the two as a tag team on YouTube. Not much, but I remember seeing it in the wrestling magazines. And, uh, you know, Snooker and Orndorff was also a pretty damn good tag team. 1981, Dusty Rhodes beats Harley Race to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I've always pointed out, you know, when people call Dusty Rhodes one of the greatest NWA champions of all time, um, you know, Dusty Rhodes top you know 10 of our generation you know if you look at just the overall you know portfolio but people out there really need to take a step back and look at how long dusty Rhodes's three nwa world title reigns were the longest reign he ever had was 88 days um look at the length of the other two reigns it just, in my opinion, you have to hold the title a lot longer than that to be considered one of the greatest NWA champions of all time. Is he one of the greatest NWA wrestlers of all time? Absolutely. One of the greatest. Everybody beloves him. But as far as the greatest NWA champions, I think that is a uh, little ignorant. Just opinion. Now, same week, 1981. Who would have ever thought? Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart beats Jerry the King Lawler to win the AWA Southern Heavyweight title. Now, that belt wasn't a bullshit title at the time. And I know some of you on the surface are going to be like, wait a minute, Jimmy Hart, AWA Southern Heavyweight title. Yeah, that'll sell tickets. No, it actually did. Um, the feud was very entertaining at the time. Now, basically how this all went down, and we'll cover two weeks right now, there was a lot of, a lot of dream match stipulations involved. And this week in 81, you had Wayne Ferris, the honky-tonk man, Kevin Sullivan and the Nightmares take on Bill Dundee, Jerry King Roll, the Dutch Mantel, and the Dream Machine. Jimmy Hart managing Team Ferris. There was a stipulation that if that team would win, Jimmy Hart would be able to book his dream match next as the main event. And sure enough, Team Ferris won. Jerry Lawler never thought that his team would lose, so he agreed to the stipulation. So Jimmy Hart now faces Jerry Lawler for the AWA Southern Heavyweight title. Jimmy Hart chooses Wayne Ferris and Kevin Solomon as special guest referees. 
And, you know, there's a lot of different options. No DQ, boxing match, blah, 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 blah. The bottom line is, is that Ferris and Sullivan attacked Lawler. Jimmy Hart went for the pin and got it. So Jimmy Hart was now your AWA Southern Heavyweight Champion. Now, Jerry Lawler did not win that belt back from Jimmy Hart. Uh, Ultimately, I don't know, I think uh, less than a week later, Jimmy Hart laid down and let Chick Donovan pin him. So Chick Donovan joined up with Jimmy Hart's army, and Chick Donovan was now the AWA Southern Heavyweight title. So you've had a lot of finger poke of dooms over the years. Just not all of them were looked at as finger poke of doom because it was the right scenario, right storyline, and the right people involved. Because the following week, they had more dream match stipulations, and their Memphis attendance almost doubled. Just to give you an idea, Jimmy Hart fought in the main event on both cards and drew spectacular attendance numbers. So anyway, the following week, Jerry Lawler ended up winning a stipulation that he could choose a dream match, and he defeated Jimmy Hart in a no-DQ lumberjack match, and the rest is history. Now, last week, 1984, I shared with everyone uh, the at home with Dr. D and his family, Paul Orndorff in the gym. You know, when you realize how much uh, Vince McMahon and the, the roster had the Midas touch at that time, let's put this in perspective. You know, you always heard over the years, especially younger fans out there, how Vince took over, wanted to put all the territories out of business and this and that. And you know, when you put in perspective 1984, that might be arguably the most important year in the history of WWE, WWF, because just as far as quality storylines go, and I know a lot of you will reference the Attitude Era, definitely have no argument with me there, but just think about this. At this time in 84, we have the Dr. D segment. And, you know, just getting him over as a monster heel. You have Paul Orndorff really catching fire and now being managed by Roddy Piper. You have Piper's pit going full-blown. You have Roddy Piper smashing the coconut in the head of Jimmy Snooker. And with all of that, you have Hulk Hogan, the heavyweight champion. And we're not even done. This week in 84, on Piper's pit... They pushed the storyline with Cindy Lauper to the next level. You know, by now, we saw Captain Lou Albano and the girls just want to have fun music video. WWF was about to start the rock and wrestling connection. And Cindy Lauper, who was a huge wrestling fan, she was tremendously involved with it. When I, I have said for 23 years, going back to my hotline days, Cindy Lauper should have been one of the first celebrities ever to put in a celebrity wing in the WWF Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame. It, it's just ridiculous that she, uh, up until now, has not been put in. It's just mind-boggling. I don't get it. I just don't get it. She was so important back then uh, just to lead to other things. And case in point, here you go. Let's flash back to 1984. We have Piper's Pit, special guest Cindy Lauper, and this leads to a confrontation, and it leads to a challenge by Cindy Lauper to Captain Lou Albano, and the rest is history. A lot of controversy as we've been going on along about Cindy Lauper. 
Lou Albino and some jerk comes out here named Dave Wolf says Cindy Lauper is supposed to come out and time after time we try to get Cindy Lauper to come out and all of a sudden there's no Cindy Lauper. I do happen to have the album cover of Cindy Lauper which they are giving to the uh, folks out there but you know I'm the kind of guy that I just don't fool around. I'm not the kind of guy just to say something and then don't get it done. You see, when RP talks, people listen. And if I want to get something done, I get it done. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you the female entertainer of the year, Miss Cindy Lauper herself. <laughs> Sit down. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Please have a seat. Please have a seat. Please have a seat. You look... First of all, I would like to say to you, you look wonderful, Cindy. Well, it's been a long time coming for us to, to try to get you here. Cindy has flown 7,000 miles to come here and see us. And one thing that I admire about you is we both have something in common. We are both number one at what we do. And you, time after time, and the records that you have out, the uh, girls just want to have fun with, with all your... They do. They do. Hey, hey, just girls just want to have fun. Where have you been? What have you been doing? Oh, well, I'm glad to come back. I've been in Europe. It's nice to see all the wrestling fans and the WWE and, um And you, Rodney, how are you? It's great. I've been in Europe. I've been in London. Um, For, you've been in London, England? Where? London, England, same thing. London, England, same thing. Tell me, who does your hair? Oh, me and Patrick, we do it. Who's Patrick? Oh, he's in the back somewhere. He helps me out. Pat, Pat. You look terrific. You look terrific. You know, as, as we were saying, we're both number one in, in what we do. And uh, I'm a self-made man. And I realize that uh, through, through the time, you've had a lot of friends uh, help you out. And especially one Captain Lou Albino, your manager, the man who has taken care of you and actually brought you from nothing and taken you up. Ronnie, wait, wait. Yes, darling. No, I love Lou, but he's not my manager. A lot of people think that. Wait a second, wait a second. You're not calling... You're not calling... Wait, wait. No, I know you don't, you don't mean that. You're not calling Lou Albino a liar. I know that. He, he's your manager. Dave would never... Lou would never say that. Lou, hey, how Cindy, are you? Cindy, Cindy, sweetheart, how you been, baby? How you doing? Cindy, tell all these people out here how I took you, Cindy, and found you in New York City and Queens, and how I made you a superstar. Tell them what I did for you, Cindy. Lou, Lou, come on. Only kidding. No. No, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 wait a minute, Cindy. Tell them how. Me, you tell, tell me. I, I wrote the words for time after time, Cindy. And you're. Lou, you're only. He's kidding. He's only kidding. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Now you've told me that you taken. You taken 75 percent. You told me that you you brought her from nothing. Took her from telling how, how, how women, Cindy, belong in a kitchen and pregnant, Cindy. That no woman's ever accomplished anything without a man behind her. Cindy, tell them that. Wait, 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 Lou, Lou, you know, I don't like that. You're only fooling around, right? Because I don't no, like no. that stuff. No, no, wait a second. This is not Man. fooling around. You're not kidding? Cindy, just, Cindy, just shut up for a minute, Cindy. Tell them what I did for you, Cindy. Tell them how you... Hold that up, hold that up. Tell them how you came off my reputation, Cindy. Captain Lou Albano, how all women are nothing, Cindy. They're slime. How it takes a man to make a woman... second now, just calm down. I saw the video myself, and I know what he's done. Yeah, that one second in the yeah, video, no, what are you no, crazy? No, no, no. It was a big segment, Cindy. You wrote off of me, Cindy. Wait a second, wait a second. I saw, I saw the video myself. You can't come out here and tell me that this man is a liar. I'm not calling him a liar. I don't want to get mad. Now, don't get me mad. Wait a second, we don't care who gets mad. I'll tell you something. Just wait a second, young lady. I don't care what you think. Just a minute, Cindy. I want you to be honest. 
Tell them how I took you abroad, hanging around New York. What? Abroad? Go ahead, tell them a barroom broad made you, Cindy. Go ahead, Cindy. Tell them to Cindy. Pleasure to be here in your humble abode. I was at a recording studio earlier with Lopper, and you would not even believe what this ungrateful wench said after what you did. I want you to roll it. Show him what she said. Yeah. Here I am, rolling, around. Miss Miss Lopper. Obviously, I've, I've I've accepted your your invitation to come here. Obviously, for your apology for your conduct on the last Piper's Pit with the great Mr. Albano and myself. And I can assume that you're being a, a nice lady by apologizing, and for the people, and especially for myself and Al, just go for it. Apologize? Are you crazy? I'm gonna apologize. Right. Wait a second, you're not gonna apologize? You're not gonna apologize for what you did in front of, front of millions of people? Are you gonna sit here and tell me that after what you did, the way you conducted yourself as a lowlife, that you're not gonna apologize for nothing? Lighten up. Yo, you're on my turf now, pal. Why don't you lighten up? Let me tell you something. So the challenge was made. Lou Albano accepted. Lou Albano chose the fabulous Moolah, women's champion. Cindy Lauper chose Wendy Richter, brought her in, and the rest is history. By the way, Wendy Richter and Cindy Lauper will be mentioned again later on in this show. But, you know, just to add a little more to this little bonus clip, you know, at this time as well, like I said, you know, Piper at this time 
feuding with Lauper, feuding with Hogan, because obviously we're about to have the rock and wrestling connection, um, feuding ultimately with Mr. T, but also still feuding with Snuka. And this week in 84, Jimmy Snuka basically cut this little promo on Roddy Piper. You know, it's one that you may not have ever seen or, you know, may have forgot about. But, you know, Jimmy Snooker sometimes would cut some pretty intense promos and, uh, you know, maybe not so much in the content category. But I thought this was pretty cool. 84, Jimmy Snooker snaps, talking about Roddy Piper. Without a doubt, Jimmy, you hold a, a very special place in the hearts of so many wrestling fans worldwide for many, many different reasons. Certainly one of those would be your unique skills, only... Superfly Snooker would dare to climb to the top rope and leap as far as you possibly can onto a prone opponent. And I would think one question that certainly would come to the minds of most anyone is that it would appear as though that particular maneuver is obviously dangerous to say the least, but it seems to me that it would hurt you almost as much as it would hurt your opponent. Well... The only one thing that I just like to just say to you, sir, and to the wonderful people there here in the United States, which I love so much, and I know that you're all willing to know individually and one of us, because individual's feelings is different. And if you got that feeling, then your answer is, ladies and gentlemen, only you know. Jimmy, you've known... You're known for not only your extraordinary physical skills, but from what from within there seems to come a a certain unique ferocity. Just when you cut loose, you just let it go. Could you explain in your own words how you feel when that happens? It's only one feeling, brother, and that's the truth. That's my answer. And the truth is coming out. And the truth is that you have to have faith and confidence to know exactly that you're doing the right thing. But Jimmy, let me ask you another question, if I may. It seems that there's been somewhat of a change in your in your attitude in terms of your approach to professional wrestling, and I may very well be wrong on this, but having followed your career for a number of years, it seems to me that that you've become a target in professional wrestling because so many accolades have come your way, justifiably so, that many wrestlers are, are extremely jealous, I would suspect, of that. And it, and it seems that you've become a target in that they really want you out of professional wrestling. Do you agree with that? I wouldn't have no doubt in individual thoughts, but I can't think negative about it because there's only one way I have to think and feel that I have to know. I have to think and think confidently in one thing only, brother. Mr. Snooker, obviously very much on your mind, I'm sure, is Rowdy Roddy Piper. What was going on in your mind? Can you tell us that? What was going on in your mind? You were given the opportunity to interview Piper. Piper had earlier on, he had really mistreated you in a previous Piper's pit. This was your opportunity. What was on your mind? Did you think you were going to have that opportunity? It's only one opportunity that I had the chance, that it's not normally that all times you would have the chance to look forward 
to speak to you wonderful people out there that I truly love and truly believe the faith that you got. What I'm trying to say, ladies and gentlemen, is that now, for instance, you try to put this for one second in your mind, what would happen if that was you? How would you take that just one little feeling that just felt in your mind at the second that moment coconut pounded into your brains? You take that one deep in the beating of your heart to tell me what do I really want and what you really want to know how I feel. I love you people. You show it to me and I'll give you what you want to see. You understand? Piper, it's only one term in life. One person one chance in facing to the truth. The truth, brother! The truth! 1986. God, this was so bad, it was good. Oh, man. Magnificent Morocco. I have said since a kid, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time has always been in my top three. Even later years, growing up and being introduced to Cactus Jack and uh, watching more Terry Funk, who is my favorite of all time, Magnificent Morocco was just awesome. The guy doesn't get enough love in the current you know, era of wrestling. Even in WWF when they talk about yesteryear. And we're now... Uh, right after Fuji Vice. They were doing those skits. The acting was god-awful, but it was so bad it was good. So this week in 86, Magnificent Morocco and Mr. Fuji attempt to do stand-up comedy. Now, how many of you out there, this day and age, so many wrestlers want to be comedians. You have Dolph Ziggler, Rob Van Dam, Mick Foley. I mean, God, there's so many that have tried to do stand-up at comedy clubs. I'm not saying that any of them were bad, but so many attempt to do it. Well, Morocco and Fuji tried to do it this week in 86, and uh, sorry that I had to blow it up in the end, but I blew it up with love. Here we go, as planned. Yucks for bucks, if you will. <laughs> Live from the TNT studios. It's America's newest comedy team, soon to be seen in Las Vegas. Los Angeles at the Comedy Store, Zeke's Bar and Grill in Jersey City. Would you please welcome for the debut here on TNT of this comedy team, Mr. Fuji and the Magnificent Morocco, right here. Thank you, thank you. It's great to hear, be here tonight. I just flew in from coast. Boy, what a trip around here. How, <laughs> How hot was it? <laughs> I'll tell you, it was hotter than Joe Collins on a wedding night. It got so bad that some of the Hollywood stars yeah, were getting together terrible. to raise money for air conditioning. Needy, they're calling their concert Kool-Aid, which reminds me of the time I raised money to help a musical group and called it Band-Aid. Eat your heart out, Bob Hope. Actually, I just got back from playing Las Vegas. <laughs> you play Las Vegas? <laughs> I'll tell you, I walked through so many casinos and clubs, I almost developed club foot. I put more money in the slot machines than Liberace spends on suits. And the showgirls, wow, are they ever beautiful. How beautiful are they? They're so beautiful. They make, they make Bo Derek look like Rambo. And they're built better than, than a Rolls Royce. I tell you, they're so well 
endowed, they could get part-time jobs as life rafts and ocean liners. I kept thinking of that old TV show. Leave it to cleavage. You won't find better looking buns in a bakery. Of course, they were all over like pigeons on a statue. <laughs> did you get out and enjoy the great Nevada air? Sure I did. I played golf with an old midget wrestling pal of mine. Of course, we had to play miniature golf. Boy, was he short. <laughs> How short was he? I'll tell you, he was so small, he needed a camel across the sand trap. He was waiting for... He was waiting for Moses to park the water hazard, and when I yelled, for he, he thought I was making fun. What are you doing? Come on. Now, what is the guy laughing about? It, 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 I'm rolling now. I'm rolling now. Seriously, folks. Listen, let's give me, let me tell you about oh, some, some of the brilliant wrestlers I've got to face in the ring now. How brilliant are they? Hey, wait. Uh, take Hulk Hogan, for instance. He's built like Pillsbury Doughboy. And when he points his finger in the air, when he's in, he's in the ring, he's not telling everyone he's number one. He's just bragging about how high he can count. And Junkyard Dog, <laughs> you like that one, huh? Junkyard Dog, he's under the lip sword alligator. And he thinks he can dance. I've seen better moves in a rest home, rest home for retired lawn ornaments. Then there's Paul Orndorff. He's so vain, he has mirrors in his refrigerator. He's got about as much to be vain about as Gene Oakland has hair. Hey, Gene, old buddy. I see more gro growth in the cue ball. <laughs> Gene's afraid to get in the bowling alley. But he lost your hat here. <laughs> That's okay. He's always trying to stick his fingers into his head and roll it down the lane. Oh, boy, David Letterman, here I come. How about some tropical stuff? Topical. Topical. I don't care. I don't feel too good lately. You want some topical stuff? I'll go. Hey, cool down over here, will you? Might want to try topical, but that's okay. I'll give you topical. Spies have really been in the news lately. We send Russian secrets, they send us a fallout. It works out. Canada sends us bacon, we send them acid rain. And how about that Hands Across America celebration? Yeah. I tell you, I haven't seen so many strangers touching one another since Hugh Hefner's last birthday party at the Playboy Mansion. I'm telling you. <laughs> this comedy stuff is easy. <laughs> now for the big finish. How big is it? Sure. How big is it? How fucking awful was that? It was, again, it was so bad it was good. Uh, talking another one that's so bad it was good. And, and this match, believe it or not, is on YouTube. The footage is horrendous. It's grainy. There's no commentary. But, you know, again, this is what happens when people who never really do research just write what they believe uh, happened or they just cut and paste. This week in 90, one of the first wrestling events I ever went to, and I've talked about this so many times over the years, you know, Dennis Carluzzo, God rest his soul. You know, he was doing some pretty wild independent wrestling events here in the Northeast back in the early 90s. And this week in 1990, they were advertising Terry Funk and Stan Hansen. It, this was going to be an outdoor event. It was going to take place in New Jersey at Cooper River Park. And they were advertising it as the Death Island Match. Now, Terry Funk, you know, by now we had the I Quit match with Flair and just absolutely fucking loved his work. So we all went to this event in Jersey and they brawled all over the park. They brawled in an outhouse. They brawled in, in the fucking truck, you know, not a production truck, but it was like a truck where everybody would dress and stuff like that. And they even brawled into the river. 
Now, when you check out a lot of websites and they talk about, oh, you know, uh, he Stan Hansen disqualified for throwing Terry Funk into the river. Yeah, that's actually what happened. That was the match result and that was the audio. But the funny thing about it is the stipulations back then was that you had three ways you could win the match. Because it was in a park, you could pin your opponent anywhere. It could be on a fucking bench. It could be on a barbecue if you don't get burned. But you could pin your opponent anywhere in the park. You can have your opponent submit anywhere in the park. Me at the time, I would have fucking loved it if they took one of those charcoal grills that somebody was barbecuing and maybe Funk or Hansen almost tries to shove his face on the fucking barbecue coals, almost like the postman in Goodfellas in the fucking oven. There you go. I would have mocked out for that. But another way you could win is by throwing your opponent into the river. So Stan Hansen throws Terry Funk into the river and they announced that Stan Hansen had been disqualified. It just didn't make sense. But that is actually how the match went down. But if you want to see a wild and crazy brawl, uh, especially for 1990 standards, go seek it out. 1992 WCW has their Beach Blast pay-per-view from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, one match we're going to share with everybody in a moment. In fact, you're if you're a big fan of Mick Foley, I think you'll really appreciate this episode. But Dark Match, Junkyard Dog, Tom Zink, and Big Josh over Richard Morton, Diamond Dallas Page, and Tracy Smothers. Scotty Flamingo over Brian Pillman to win the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. Terry Tell loses to Ron Simmons. Mark Bagwell loses to Greg Hammer Valentine. Ricky Steamboat beats Rick Rude four falls to three in a 30-minute Ironman match. Yeah, Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, and Nikita Koloff over the Dangerous Alliance, which was Steve Austin, Bobby Eaton, and Arn Anderson. Missy Hyatt over Medusa in a bikini contest. That was very memorable, especially Missy Hyatt's creativity for her outfit. And you had the Steiner Brothers fight Doc and Gordy to a 30-minute time limit draw. So the Steiners retained the WCW tag titles. And you had one of my favorite early WCW matches. Uh, the feud was awesome. I'm still pissed off to this day that I did not buy, when I had the opportunity, the actual shirt that Mick Foley wore in this match. It was Cactus Jack versus Sting. Falls count anywhere for the heavyweight title. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest of Beach Blast 92 is your special match where pinfalls count anywhere on the Gulf Coast. Introducing first at 304 pounds from Trooper Consequences, New Mexico, Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack, one of the most unpredictable and a man that just doesn't care to put his own body in jeopardy to accomplish his goals. I think he's nothing more than a hitman. A hitman? He's a guy, he's a mercenary. He started his whole situation with Sting last summer. So you think what, somebody's behind hiring Cactus Jack or something to take the champion out? It's a possibility, no doubt about it. Sting's the most marked man in the sport. He's the, he's the world's heavyweight champion. But look at Cactus Jack. If he gains that title with a face like that, he'd be a perfect idol for the kids. Jim Ladies and gentlemen, his opponent weighs in at 252 pounds from Phoenix Beach, California. He is the WCW World 
Cactus Jack has started it right where I believe he wants to, outside the ring. But Sting blocking it, going for the pinfall on the ramp. Going for the cover. He got one out of it right there on the rampway. Sting with a kick right to the solar plexus. And another. A trifecta to the gut. A right hand. Where's he going to take him? Back to the ropes. That's where. What a match like this where pinfalls go anywhere. This match could end in 30 seconds or it could take a half hour. You don't know which. Sting measures in. Oh my, oh! Sting right on the, straddling the ropes there. Took a big, big chance that did not obviously pay off. Cactus Jack now having the opportunity to regain his senses if that's possible. I'm not sure Cactus does have some. Oh, right on the, right off the apron. Again, right on this concrete floor. WCW, and look at Cactus Jack is holding the knee. WCW, there are no mats outside the ring. It is the C-Mat. Going for the cover. Cactus knee really smacked the, the concrete when he came off with that elbow drop from the apron. Front face lock into a neck break. And his hand hit the back of the concrete. Both of them hitting hard. And that's a key, you know, this is a non-title matchup. Why Sting would have won two in a kick out? Why Sting would involve himself in this type of match, be it non-title, is beyond me, Jim Ross. He's got character, Jess. He's not going to walk away from any challenge. He's crazy. That's what he is, Jim Ross. It ain't character. It's being dumb. Cactus up on the apron here now. Going for it. Six sunset clip. And he got it down on the concrete. And Sting able to kick out. My gosh. They have not made it. Both men have not made it into the ring as of yet. And may not. This match is absolutely right. We may never see the ring this whole bump. Remember, normally in WCW, that move would have been an automatic disqualification. But we've covered the rules, I think, quite well. No disqualification this one. As Cactus ran face first into the steel. And another one into that railing outside the ring. What a wild match and Sting, remember those broken ribs, thanks to Big Van Vader, and Cactus elevated over, right over the railing, right out to the ringside area, Sting right over after it, and oh God, his face just smacked him, Sting again, this is nothing but a street fight now, Jim Ross,
tell you what, Cactus Jack bought himself some time there. Because so far the bout had been all sting. All sting, but Jack coming back now, driving the head into Sting's shoulder. And amazingly, Jack is keeping it into the ring. I would have expected him to immediately fire Sting out to the floor. He's kicking him with his left leg. His right leg seems to be damaged. Sting ran face first into the turnbuckle. Sting, who has been in a real war with Big Man Vader, finally healing up from the broken ribs. We don't know if he's at 100%, but Cactus will test it because he caught him with that knee and 304 pounds right into the ribcage. This is amazing. I'll tell you what, here's Cactus in this type of boat, and he's actually wrestling him, Jim Ross. Hooks him with a body scissors. Very sound strategy, and surprising, perhaps, from Cactus Jack. There is a method to his madness, perhaps. Give it up, Give it up, You know, Sting could take the easy way out. This is non-title. He could just quit and submit. for whatever they can. Cactus got the eyes. And it's Cactus Jack with a clothesline. Oh, my. They both go over. Back to the floor. I'll tell you what. You like seeing wrestling here, and that's what it's called, World Championship Wrestling. But this match is called World Championship Street Fight. And why the champion got himself involved in this is totally beyond me. He's a man that will not walk away from the challenge. Look out, Tony Gillum, you've got to get out of there. He's a man that might walk away from his title just from the injuries he's going to sustain tonight. Jay caught in the clothesline. Well, he's not thinking of Big Van Vader now. He's thinking of surviving. He's thinking of winning this one. Jack's, Jack's Jack. going for a chair. He's got it. Caught him. In the sternum with that chair. in the chair from that one. You can see the chair's dented from that. A sickening thud from that chair on the body of the world's heavyweight champion. I can't for the life of me can imagine why Sting did this. I mean, the guy has everything. The world title, money, anything he could. And he gets involved in a madman match with the craziest man in wrestling, Cactus Jack. Referee is only here to count the fall. That's all. And look at Captain Drake against the champion's face. Simultaneously. Cactus at 304, the bigger of the two, falling on top. Sting reverses it and got two out of it. And it's amazing, they're actually doing wrestling moves out on the concrete. 
gotta know Harley Race. Absolutely. Can you imagine? Race and Vader are sitting back and chuckling right now. Cactus going for the pile driver, but his knee gave way. He it's, had him in a pile driver position, Jess, but his knee gave away on it. Absolutely. Sting not, not hurt by that. His, his head never hit the floor, you can tell, or Sting would have been toast. That would have been it for him. He'd have knocked him cold. Cactus crawling back up on the apron. What's this madman going to do now? Oh my, he's up on the second row. Look at him smiling, smiling at the pain that he's oh, He missed it. Sting moved out of the way, and Cactus hit nothing but the concrete floor. And again, no count out. Don't look for the referee putting on any type of count. Pinfalls anywhere on the golf post. has got to be loving this. Going for the double arm. DDT, he got it. This should be it right here. If Cactus has got enough, referee throws that chair out of sight, hopefully. Here's the cover. Could be over right here. And he got a shoulder up at two. Cactus almost incapacitated himself, not able to really make a full cover there. That was a total instinct move by Sting. He doesn't know where he's at at all. Great match, loved it, and we got another one coming up shortly. Wrapping up 1992, ECW still in its infancy, not 
great at all at this time, but still it's history. The Super Destroyers beat Glenn Osborne and Max Thrasher to become the first ever Eastern Championship Wrestling Tag Team Champions. 1993, Bastion Booger makes his WWF TV debut, losing to Virgil. <laughs> Bastion Booger, man, Mike Shaw is a good guy. You know, everybody has nothing but good to say about him, but man, that's one thing about that gimmick. I always felt that he smelled horribly in the ring. Didn't, he didn't, I don't know if anybody else had that impression, but I don't know if he smelled like fucking roses, but just always gave that impression that outfit was god-awful. Another memorable moment that took place this week in 93 on Raw, we had a match between the uh, the one two three kid and Razor Ramon. And, you know, Razor Ramon pissed off after losing not too long ago against the one two three kid in that very famous match. He puts up $10,000 and, uh, you know, tries to get the one two three kid back in the ring for another match. This match was actually pretty good. And then in the end, you see the one, two, three kids steal the $10,000 and, you know, ran out of the arena into a car and sped away. But um, if you watch this match, uh, you may not realize it and unless it's brought up. And I know Hall and Waltman have talked about this over the years. Sean Waltman accidentally knocks himself out for a brief moment during this match. He takes a face plant out to the concrete floor. It's brutal to see. If you've never picked up on it before now because I mentioned it, go watch it. And it's just, uh, I don't even know if he remembers taking the money and running out. I mean, he was just knocked for a loop, but they were able to finish the match. 1994, as we opened up with, um, you know, Flyboy Rocco Rock in an attempt to hype up an upcoming match between the public enemy, Dory Funk and Jr. and Terry Funk. You know, he compares Dory Funk Jr. to Ronald Goldman. Not good. But that was to hype up a match that, quite honestly, look, Terry Funk's my favorite of all time. This match was not good either. Not great at all. This week in 94, Eastern Championship Wrestling had one of my favorite early events of uh, early ECW, Hostile City Showdown 1994. You had Tommy Dream over Hack Myers, the Tasmaniac over Pitbull number one in a door collar match. You had the Bruise Brothers over Mr. Hughes and Shane Douglas. Tommy Cairo beat the Sandman in a Singapore Kane on a pole match. Public Enemy and Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk fought to a no contest. Mike, Mikey Whipwreck over that cocksucker rockin' rebel uh, by DQ, so he retains the ECW TV title. And the main event... First time it ever went down anywhere, you had Cactus Jack taking on Sabu. Now, what was so cool about this match? Not just the fact that we're getting like an early hardcore fantasy match. Me, I followed it mostly with the magazines at this time. Didn't get much exposure to Japanese wrestling. But you heard a lot about Cactus Jack. You started to see Sabu in ECW. Saw some, you know, the early brawls. I had gotten a tape very, very young at the time when he was brawling in Detroit, I believe it was. But here's the cool thing about this even more. The day before this ECW event I just brought up, WCW had Class of the Champions 27 from Charleston, South Carolina. Cactus Jack was a WCW contracted wrestler. Cactus Jack was one half of the WCW tag champs at the time. 
Cactus Jack wrestled the night before at Clash of Champions, teaming up with Kevin Sullivan to beat the Nasty Boys to retain the titles. Cactus Jack was on loan from WCW to wrestle in ECW, and they had a little bit of a relationship at the time. That's why we got to see that time Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton show up in ECW. But uh, so let before we get into the Sabu Cactus match, here's the results from Clash of the Champions from the night before. The Patriot over Bobby Eaton. As I said, Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan over the Nasty Boys. The Guardian Angel over Tex Slasinger. Lord Steven Regal over Larry Zbysko to win the WCW TV title. Johnny B. Bad over Steve Austin by DQ for the U.S. title. Ric Flair over Sting to unify the WCW International and WCW World Heavyweight Championships. And, you know, this is right after Hogan signs with WCW. And Hogan had been cutting promos that he was going to face the winner of the Flair-Sting match at the next pay-per-view, which kind of sucked because you knew it was going to be Hogan-Flair. So Hogan comes out for an interview right before this match between Flair and Sting. And the way the whole back and forth went with Flair and Hogan, you just knew there was no way that Sting was going to win the belts that day. So they kind of spoiled it, but still, it was good to see Hogan in WCW fresh, you know, yes, he was much smaller than what he was in the WWF, but, you know, to see him and Flair have the full-blown feud that we always really wanted in the WWF, got little tastes of it and teasers and tag matches, but not the way it should have went down. So now we go back to ECW. I gave you the match results already, but the main event that night was Sabu versus Cactus Jack. Uh, sold great on home video, sold some uh, very creative T-shirts. I'm surprised that WCW even allowed them to uh, profit off of Cactus Jack's appearance. But still, this is a memorable match. Sit back and relax. This clip goes about 20 minutes. And what's great about this clip is half of it is the match. There was a wild brawl that took place afterwards that when you, it's just just as entertaining. And when you hear the chair shot to 911, it was as brutal as it sounded. And that little clink towards the end was a real beer bottle being smashed over Cactus Jack's head. What was sick about the beer bottle shot is Sabu hit him like two or three times and it wouldn't break. And anybody that ever held an old Budweiser bottle, those little brown bottles, especially on the bottom, the bottom was so thick that it would be really difficult to break it sometimes. You'd drop it, you know, you'd be drinking in the park and drop it on the floor and it wouldn't even crack, you know. And just imagine that being hit into your skull two or three times. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty brutal to see. But some awesome action once again, first time ever between Sabu and Cactus Jack and following the match, memorable promo from Cactus Jack and Paulie Dangerously.
that Evil Knievel was a wussy. And now it's Sabu with three kicks to the back of Cactus Jack's head. And that's what it takes to bring Cactus Jack down to the canvas. Sabu now with Cactus Jack. Jack shot in. Cactus goes down as Sabu launches 220 pounds into the air. Front face lock now by Sabu. This will not be a classic wrestling match. Although there are many classic wrestlers here in Eastern Championship Wrestling. After all, the natural evolution from the greats of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, the franchise, Shane Douglas, is sitting in the back looking on. Terry Funk and Dory Funk, the Funks, are looking on as well. But we offer you something completely different. While all other wrestling organizations play only one hand, Eastern Championship Wrestling comes at you from all directions. Classic wrestling as well as mayhem. And that is the only word I think will describe the action that we are seeing unfold before us in the first ever meeting of Sabu and Cactus Jack. Sabu with the spinning kick finds the more Cactus Jack tumbles to the outside to the concrete arena floor. Here comes Sabu! No, he thought better of it. Jack runs for higher ground. Well, Sabu's got a chair. That didn't take very long. And Sabu working over the injured, sh the injured shoulder, pardon me, of Cactus Jack. You can bet Paul Lee scouted Sabu well. Sabu reaching for that chair once again. Oh. While Sabu has foregone his aerial attack for a more traditional brawling technique of chair bashing which is the first thing you learn here at Eastern Championship Wrestling Paulie holding on to Cactus Jack and there goes Sabu Sabu threw the ropes on top of Cactus Jack with an assist from Paulie dangerously These two will destroy each other. These two will destroy themselves in an attempt to be labeled the hardest of the hardcore wrestlers. And the winner of this matchup is definitely the toughest man in the sport today. Oh my! Sabu setting up that chair, we've seen this before. It's not for titles, it's for pride, it's for bragging rights. Cactus Jack would love to say, I went to Philadelphia and beat Sabu. Sabu would love to say, I destroyed the legend of Cactus Jack. But Cactus Jack knocked Sabu out of the air with a back elbow that really found its mark on Sabu's chin and Sabu is hurt. 
You are watching the main event, Cactus Jack versus Sabu at the Hostile City Showdown exclusively here on ECW Home Video. Sabu rises to his feet, here comes Cactus Jack, and there's the famous Cactus Clothesline. Both men go over the top, and once again, it's Cactus Jack with a back shoulder no less, risking life and limb to get a victory over Sabu.
pay-per-view.
Jack's got a piece of that table. Face first in a Sabu.
throws Sabu over the guardrail. Sabu slides back in the ring. Here comes Paul E. There's Cactus. It's your friend Cactus Jack bringing you tidings from World Championship Wrestling. What this belt here says is that Cactus Jack is one half of the best tag team champion in the world. And it means a lot to me. These people say it's the first belt, it's the first title that Cactus Jack has had in a long time. And indeed it is very dear to me. Not anymore! Not anymore. You might think it's nice for Cactus Jack to come in, give one of the performances of his life, lose, and walk away saying I still got a title. But it's not true. Bang, bang. Because tonight, I lost the three titles that I'd held for the past five years. Most suicidal wrestler, ugliest wrestler, and Jack Kervorkian's favorite wrestler. So there's one of three paths that Cactus Jack can choose. One, concede the title. Never forget! Two, outdo Sabu, but looking at my battered body, it's not physically possible. And there's a third path, the road less traveled, that Cactus Jack must set his smelly feet upon. And that is simply to eliminate the competition. Eliminate the competition. Eliminate the competition. 
Sabu. I got nothing against you except that you're this much better than me, but not anymore. How will you fly when you don't have a foot? How will you speak when you don't have a tongue? And how will you hear when you're not just missing half the year, but the whole ball of wax? Paulie, dangerously, you hurt my feelings because when you were looking for the most gifted man to bring down WCW, you didn't call me. You've got a phone because I felt it three times, but you didn't call me. I'm sick and tired of being a family entertainer. There's such a thing as a contract in Atlanta where I come from, but it don't mean nothing to me because one way or another, I said it before and I said it again. Mrs. Foley's little boy is coming home. Bang, bang! Never in my life have I seen anything like it. A man gets pinned in the center of the ring after taking the most hellacious beating a human being has ever taken since the O.J. Simpson trial. Gets smacked upside the head with a telephone and he smiles. A man gets thrown out of the ring, laid across a table, gets moonsaulted straight through the table right onto the concrete floor. And with no teeth in his mouth, looking like Leon Spinks, he smiles. Never before have I seen a human being take pain and enjoy it and beg for more. Never before have I seen a human being take everything that Sabu has and say, thank you, sir. May I have another? Oh, that pain is so orgasmic. Never before have I seen a man get hit with a phone, lose a match, get moonsaulted through a table to a concrete floor, get a bottle broken over his severed ear, and with a stump hanging down, needing stitches, bleeding, the very life coming out of his face, and looking up towards his fans and saying, yeah. This is what Cactus Jack is all about. Catching it, bang, bang. Sabu has finally met his match. Is he Cactus Jack? Anybody out there thinking that it really means anything to you that you lost doesn't know anything about Cactus Jack. The fact of the matter is Sabu won nothing tonight because you're still breathing. Your heart is still pounding and you still have one good ear left. And you're still going to make money for Ted Turner, aren't you? Oh, yeah. You're still going to wrestle on the next Clash of the Champions, making their ratings go up. You're still going to be on their next stinking pay-per-view. Which means one thing. Another nice Christmas for Jane Fonda. I said it before when I was in WCW, and I'll say it again when I'm outside of it. I am obsessed with the demise of the office at the CNN Center. And the man that's going to bring my obsession to me is named Sabu. Sabu is no longer here to win a title. Sabu is no longer here so that people stand on their feet in unison and worship the Lord of the Hardcores. Sabu is here to take you out, Jack. Next time, Cactus, it doesn't matter who wins or who loses. It matters who breathes and who doesn't. You ride off into the sunset. You go back to Ted Turner. Because the next time you show your face around here, this time, Sabu beats you within an inch of your stinking, miserable life. Next time, he goes the whole damn inch.
1994 as well, this week in history, we had WWF's King of the Ring. And unfortunately, a lot of people will always remember it because of the god-awful commentary by Art Donovan, legendary NFL full Hall of Famer. For some reason, WWF brought him in to be a guest commentator, not for a fucking match, but for the event. It is in the lore of worst commentating of all time. And I tell you, what's cool about it is, you know, you've poked fun in it over the years. And I'm a big fan of Sean Oliver and uh, the kayfabe commentaries and the U-shoots. Well, they did a segment, what they called, What Does Art Donovan Weigh? And the reason why it was put that way is because if you watch The King of the Ring, how many times did you hear Art Donovan during the event? How much does he weigh? What does he weigh? I mean, everything was about weight. You know, and Art Donovan, look, he wasn't trying to belittle the business or trying to, you know, he was just, you know, poking fun. You know, there was no harm, no foul. But still, you go back and you watch it and it's the drizzling shits. Uh, but anyway, Kayfabe Commentaries did this little segment poking fun at Art Donovan, talking about his play-by-play. And he, they have some legendary wrestlers who spoke as well. So I'm going to share with you that clip. And uh, here are the appearances in order in case you can't match up some of the voices. The Blue Meanie, Sean Waltman, Kevin Nash, Tammy Sitch, Stevie Richards, Bill Apter, Fit Finley, New Jack, Diamond Dallas Page, The Sandman, and Vince Russo. Enjoy. Art Donovan. Oh, that guy. Big round. How much does he weigh? How, how much does that guy weigh? What does this kid weigh? He looks like a boxer. Fucking Art Donovan was the worst guest commentator, I think, in the history of pay-per-view. How much does this fellow weigh? I just don't understand how Art Donovan got there. I don't know. Good question. I didn't even know who he was. Art Donovan was trying to get the wrestlers over. He was trying to do his job. He just thought it was size and weight for everybody. <laughs> he thought the determination of getting these guys over by asking the other commentators how much this guy weighs and look at this guy and this guy's big and the other guy, why is the other guy doing that to that guy? <laughs> Art Donovan doing play-by-play King of the Ring is like a family reunion. That one relative that fucking corners you. You're, in my family, it was my Aunt Peggy. She would corner, how you doing? Ah, oh, you're getting fat. Ah, Brian, you're getting fat. Oh, sorry, I have asthma. I can't really work out. No, but you're really fat. How much you weigh now? Mabel's great there. I mean, that, that gimmick's not that good either. Art Donovan, uh, he didn't get it. He wasn't a wrestling fan. They put him in there because he was Art Donovan. Uh, I think they learned a, a, a lesson at that point. Uh, that clue people in before they sit down and do commentary. That, that has baffled me over the years. Why have people out there talking about wrestling when they knew nothing about it? It just it makes no sense. I mean, maybe he had some name value and they wanted that because they do that quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's definitely a, it's not good for the product of someone talking about you doesn't know who you are or anybody else is. I mean, that's not good business. Oh, I see. Okay, now I get it. Art Donovan, he wasn't trying to crap on the business he wasn't trying to crap on he was trying his best in, to our entertainment to try to to get everybody over most of them uh if they're invited to a wrestlemania kind of know you know what the event is about and they'll, they'll know like back then that hulk hogan is the big star or 
something like that. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're kind of, uh, uh, today, much more so in modern day, uh, they're clued in on what's going on. Well, yeah, it comes across disrespectful to the in-ring guys or everybody in the locker room listening to it, you know. A lot of animosity it creates. It's been put out there so much, people exposing the business and saying how fake it is. And then when you bring somebody in that don't know the business, all they know is the it's fake. So that's how they, you know, if you don't smarten them up and tell them what to do, then they just going to take it and run with it. You know what I'm saying? And they'll slam you. and Like, like I, I, so one night I went out somewhere and some guy came up and he was like, oh, you want a professional wrestlers? No, that fake. I'm like, dude, whatever. And then somebody came up to him and was like, dude, look at this video of him. And when he saw it, he was like, he was like, oh. I didn't know that was you, bro. Sorry, can I buy you a drink? So, and t he got smartened up. So if you bring in somebody from that's an actor that don't know the business, of course they gonna doodle all over it. You know what I mean? So it's up to the people to bring them in to, just to let them know. Look, don't go in there and talk about these guys because some of them will slap you upside your head for real. Safe places to put them: front row behind the guardrail. That's a safe place. Far away from a microphone. Timekeeper, maybe, but they'd probably ring the bell in all the wrong places. What's the girl over there screaming at? Well, if you really look at David Arquette, people say what they want. When he screwed me at that pay-per-view and hit me with a thing, he cut an awesome promo. He don't do that. He don't cut promos except for probably in his bathroom looking at the channel and cutting a promo that I'm going to cut a promo someday. He did a hell of a job, man. He got heat. He knew how to turn stuff on, so you can't put David in that spot. Malone was never a talker. He went out there and probably did, besides Lawrence Taylor, and never got blown up like LT did. You know, um, and we went 40 minutes from, bell, from, from ring entrance to ending. And when Hulk asked for that, I was like, come on, Hulk. Like, 12 will be plenty. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, he did, and I look at the other one, Jay Leno. He he's in the ring doing this shit. And, you know, he was at least entertaining. You know, so I never had that. I think it's a responsibility to our for whoever signed them out there to make sure they're up to standard or up to up to speed with everybody's names and what the job is. Hakeem, but they got it over. Donovan was my aunt Peggy. Aunt Peggy, the 80-year-old who would do the, tell you every day that she fucking did sit, uh, no, push-ups. And she would proceed to get on, in the push-up position, except her hips would go down and it looks like she's dry humping the floor. That's Irv Donovan. That's the visual I have in my head. And I hope you never get out of your fucking mind either, my Aunt Peggy humping the floor. That, I think that was my, one of my very first pay-per-views. And the funny thing about that was, like, oh, Donovan was just an absolute train wreck, but Savage didn't think it was funny. I mean, he was legitimately pissed. Yeah, he, uh, he, uh, he didn't think it was very entertaining at the time. How can you so tell if Savage is pissed or happy or whatever, though? Well, what's the difference? His pissed and happy and calm and sleeping and awake are all the same. By the way, they never answered. What does R. Donovan weigh? Well, at that time, he weighed about 295. He was always around the 300-pound mark. And that motherfucker lived to be age 89. You know, you talk about, oh, football concussions, abuse, brain injuries. And yes, you do get brain injuries. I'm not discounting that. But 
This motherfucker lived to the ripe old age of 89 and uh, did pretty good for himself. Just not on commentary. Match results from that night. Thurman Sparky Plug over Quang. For the WWF Heavyweight Championship, Diesel over Bret Hart by DQ, so Bret Hart retains the title. For the tag titles, the Head Shrinkers retain, defeating Crush and Yokozuna. Roddy Piper over Jerry the King Lawler. Your King of the Ring quarterfinal matches, Razor Ramon over Bam Bam, IRS over Mabel, Owen Hart over Tatanka, the 1-2-3 Kid over Jeff Jarrett. Semifinal matches, Razor Ramon over IRS, Owen Hart over the 1-2-3 Kid. And your King of the Ring final match, Owen Hart defeats Razor Ramon to become the 1994 King of the Ring. Wrapping up 1994, Tanya Harding. I know a lot of you today still see her, make appearances. How many of you bought my uh, videotape back on eBay in the late 90s that included her wedding night video? People I don't know, I've talked about this before. I used to sell a videotape on eBay. Some famous wrestlers actually, when I hung out with them, you know, had said to me, and you know, if you followed, especially the Patreon shows, you already know who I'm talking about. They would say to me, "Hey, uh, could you bring uh, that video? You know, you did you uh, chill on eBay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm bringing copy of it too. Why not?" The video was Beulah McGillicuddy's uh, masturbation video. Look, adult ears only. Beulah McGillicuddy's masturbation video. Uh, you had Kimono Wanalea who danced atop the ECW arena while they were repairing the ring, which, by the way, happened this week in history, which we'll talk about in a few moments. You also had um, Chastity's live bait segment where she did a, gave a blowjob with someone else. And, uh, you know, Chastity was in WCW and ECW. I still have that VHS tape of live bait. And the funny thing about it is the producer was interviewed uh, after, you know, they found out that, hey, she's on this X-rated video doing blowjobs, that he didn't want to profit off the fact that a current WCW TV valet, albeit, you know, not an important one, let's be honest, he didn't want to profit off of it. He didn't want to fucking advertise it that way. But he did tell people that she was supposed to be in several other sex scenes as well. As well. Uh, but she showed up late. But that infamous blowjob segment was on the video. We also had the Tommy Lee, Pamela Anderson sex scene on the boat. And we also had the Tanya Harding wedding night video. And, and it was funny because back then, a lot of people used to say to me, the fuck did you put Tanya Harding on this videotape as well? Well, it's because this week in 94, all across the the wrestling world you may not have even known about it but you know anybody who does a history sh search on the newspapers this was covered big time she was actually going to be managing remember japan japanese i don't know if it was new japan or all japan but some japanese promotion wanted to sign her for like a two or three million dollar deal and it fell through so this week in 94, they did this big press conference in Portland, Oregon. Conan was there. If you look at the old papers, you'll see Tanya Harding posing with Conan and others. Uh, the love machine, Eddie Guerrero. She was actually going to manage the match. And um, she was there to, quote unquote, support Art Bar, the love machine. And uh, it, was, it was a pretty big deal. Now, you know, she obviously didn't do much. And some magazines covered it, but a lot didn't. I was a little surprised, but do a little search on that. You'll be mildly entertained as far as Tanya Harding's involvement. And remember, this is 94. 
This is very shortly after the why, why, when she fucking had, you know, somebody take out Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, shit, memories. 1995, Great American Bash, Dayton, Ohio. We got the first appearance of the big show. You remember that? Sitting front row, black outfit, leather jacket, hair slicked back. Intimidating motherfucker. Didn't look seven foot four, if you look at the people standing next to him, but still impressive nonetheless. So we finally got the first look of uh, the giant. But, um, you know, it was, it was funny how they placed him during that event as well. Uh, we had during that pay-per-view, the Renegade beat Arn Anderson to win the WCW TV title. Still to this day, a lot of people feel one of the biggest travesties in wrestling history. Well, immediately after the Renegade pins Arn Anderson, they cut to the front row again. And you see the big show, Paul White, the giant, He's getting angry, and he looks like he's ready to lose his ship because the Renegade just won the title. Now, obviously, we would later learn that it, you know they played off that he was Andre the Giant's son, and he was there to get revenge on Hogan. So since the Renegade was involved with Jimmy Hart and Hulk Hogan, that's why he was mad at the Renegade and blah, 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 blah. Trust me, Paul White, we were all home fucking just as angry. The Renegade went in the belt, but look, it's a tragedy. He fucking committed suicide. That is not you know anything to joke about. Um, you know, he was put in a really bad situation. I mean, if go on YouTube, search Don Tony Renegade, and you'll hear my little tribute to Renegade because uh, that man was not prepared for the amount of scrutiny that he would receive because WCW tried to bring in, just let's just say it, Ultimate Warrior ripoff. Especially when Hogan would, you know, right before Renegade came out in his debut, could have the ultimate surprise. Man, you, you it was like... The best way I could describe the Renegade's initial debut, let's say you start dating a chick and you're going over her house for the first time. You haven't banged her yet. And you really wanna you really wanna sleep with her. You just you you gotta do everything right. You gotta you wanna fuck this broad. So you go over her house and she's making dinner for you. And you sit down at the dinner table and you're saying to yourself, you know, no matter how good or how bad this food is, you got to compliment her because you want to get laid by the end of the night. You know, she lives alone. She's got a nice bedroom. It smells like fucking uh, lavender. You, you want to have some fun. You sit down at the dinner table. You're expecting to eat this awesome meal. It, sound, it smells good. It looks good. And you put it in your mouth and you're chewing and you're like, I don't know, man, this, this, Tastes like uh, Alfredo-flavored rubber. It's just god-awful. You don't even know if maybe she just boiled a rat and just put seasoning on it, but it tastes awful. And she's looking at you, and she's like, well, what do you think? And you're eating, and you're like, oh, this, you know, this is pretty good. And you're trying to convince yourself that it's good because you want to get laid later on. So you're doing everything possible to forget about the fact that it sucks but, you know, you want to enjoy it, you know, later on. So you're just putting your best face forward. That's how we felt about the Renegade. We expected the Ultimate Warrior, even though we really didn't expect the Ultimate Warrior because it was 1995 and we thought he was still in WWF and he was taking time off and then he wasn't. And then the Renegade comes out and it's like chewing on that. You're looking at, you know, oh, you know it's not bad. You're trying to convince yourself that it's good and it wasn't. Ah, oh, man. 
Nasty Boys over the Blue Bloods. Harlem Heat over Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck. Hacksaw Jim Duggan over Sergeant Greg Pittman. Pittman. Dave Sullivan uh, defeated Diamond Dallas Page in an arm wrestling contest. Alex Wright over Brian Pillman. Sting over Meng to win the vacant WCW United States Championship. If you remember, the title was vacated uh, in March. Nick Bockwinkle stripped Vader of the title after deliberately uh, putting Dave Sullivan on the shelf. Main event, Ric Flair over the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Some main event matches that were taped that day. The Harlem Heat over the Fantastics. Sergeant Greg Pittman over Scott Demore, Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck over Frankie Lancaster and Barry Houston. 1995 as well, finishing up that year, WWE had their Hall of Fame ceremony inducted Class of 95, Fabulous Moolah, Grand Wizard, Ernie the Cat Lad, Ivan Putzky, Pedro Morales, Antonio Rocca, and George the Animal Steel. 1996, King of the Ring, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Austin 316 is born. Not going to play the clip. You have heard it a million times over. You know, we have to dedicate some of this airtime for other clips that you may have not have heard or maybe haven't heard in 20 plus years but still it was just a monumental night i still get asked to this day you know at the time did you know that it was going to turn into an insane thing no you didn't you know it was a cool catchphrase you know he referenced john 316 and then said austin 316 and we all popped and we all thought it was cool you know did we think the next day oh i got to put it on a sign i got to put it on a shirt i'm going to go up to other people and say you know the blasi 316 just fucking you know <laughs> shit on you or ate ate your food or took your money or whatever blah 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 uh or better yet you know uh, don tony 316 says i just whacked off to your wife's fucking picture you prick motherfucker but anyway um so we didn't know at the time but you know the next night when you see all these signs, Austin 316, you know they had something. Arguably the best-selling shirt of all time in wrestling. I would think so. I mean, I don't have any research with numbers or statistics. I'd be more than happy to do it if you paid me. But free-for-all match. Body down is over the new rockers. Leaf Cassidy and Marty Jannetty. Hunter Hearst Helmsley over Aldo Montoya. King of the Rings semifinals, Stone Cold Steve Austin over Mark Barrow, Jake the Snake Roberts over Vader. Remember the story also. Steve Austin had to get stitches, left the arena, got stitched up, came back, wrestled, and defeated Jake the Snake Roberts to win the King of the Ring tournament. And uh, he deserved it, man. It was very, very good. No complaints. Other matches from that night, the Spoken Guns over the Godwins to retain the WWF tag titles. You had the Ultimate Warrior over Jerry the King Lawler. Mankind over The Undertaker. Ahmed Johnson over Goldust to win the Intercontinental Championship. And Shawn Michaels defeating the British Bulldog to retain the WWF Championship. 1996, as well, ECW has Hardcore Heaven from the ECW Arena. I'll always remember this for the uh, satire that Blue Meanie and Stevie Richards kept doing uh, at every event. This time they came out as um, the blue guy, you know, Blue Dust, and Stevie Richards came out uh, paying tribute to Baron Von Raschke. He was Baron Von Stevie. He had this fucking bold fucking mask on top of his head. Yo, Joey Styles, the people need to know. 
then you had Blue Meanie doing all the Goldust mannerisms, and he's got his own Marlena, who, what was her name at the time? Jesus, I can't, I'm drawing a blank. Patricia, that's what it was. It was great, man. It was just really, really funny. And then ultimately, you'd have the BWO that uh, people still pay tribute to to this day. But during that night, the ring needed to be repaired, I think, twice. And to basically kill time, you know, they had Kimono Wanalea dance atop the ECW arena, teasing that she was going to strip, and they put a towel on her, but it was very, very sexy performance. That got Kimono Wanalea really noticed, I think, by WCW that night. Very, very uh, good dancer. Anyway, the match results on that night, Shane Douglas over Mikey Whipwreck, the FBI over the Dudleys, Taz over Paul Vollins in a quote-unquote shoot fights rules match, Raven over Terry Bam Bam Gordy to retain the ECW heavyweight title. That was memorable. The Eliminators first uh, fight the Gangsters to a no contest. Then they fight the Bruise Brothers to a no contest. Axel Rotten and Hack Myers fought the Simone Gangster Party to a no contest as well. Chris Jericho beat Pitbull number two to win the ECW TV title. Tommy Dream over Brian Lee in a weapons match that was fucking phenomenal. And the main event, Sabu defeats Rob Van Dam. 1997. Gotta show some love for Ahmed Johnson. I know a lot of people poke fun at his promos over the years, but I thought he fucking nailed this one. This week in 97, we have the full-blown racism storyline with the Nation of Domination and WWF, and then you would have DOA make their debut this week in 97. You had fucking um, Savio Vega's group as well. I mean, it was just a lot of factions, and it was just wild, some of the brawls that would go down in D-Generation X. I mean, there were so many. But, you know, this week in 97, Nation of Domination got rid of everybody who was non-black, and currently now they were a team of four. Kama, D'Lo Brown, Ahmed Johnson, and Farouk. And Ahmed Johnson had just turned heel and joined the Nation of Domination. And this week in 97, Vince McMahon had the four members in the ring and basically asked Ahmed Johnson, why did he do what he did? Why did he join the Nation of Domination? And I thought he fucking nailed it with this promo. One question for you. Ahmed Johnson. Why, Ahmed? Why? First of all, if y'all don't shut the hell up, I'm gonna come out there and kick all your asses. I'm gonna start out with you. Why? Ask yourself why, white man. You know why? I did what I had to do. I came out here, I bust my butt, I tried to please these people, I tried to get my shot at the belt. You think they'd back me up? Don't back me up for a belt, no. Don't back me up, the crew. My crew backed me up. Y'all didn't back me up, why? Because I'm a black man. Did you back me up, this my man? When I came back from my injury, did you back me up for a shot at the belt? You were going to get your opportunity. I was, was. Yeah. Martha King was going to live another 10 years, but he didn't. He didn't because he tried to be nice and breathe peace, and he got shot down for trying to be nice. Is he going to Farrakhan? Is he dead? No. Why? Because he don't want to preach the peace. He preached like it is, by any means necessary. 
But I'll tell you what, you and your superhero, The Undertaker, I ain't got no respect for him no more. Any man that listens to another man is a low down, dirty slave dog. And since The Undertaker won't listen to Paul Bear, that man listen up for you. Like I said before, you put your hands on me, you won't be dead enough. Just remember the tattoo, because you will see it again. Mr. Man, did you hear what he just said? The reason he came back, he was held down. The reason he came with the nation is because you turned your back, and all these people turned their back. That's why he came in a nation of domination, punk. And why? Why did you feel compelled to form a new nation? Let me tell you something. You know, like I've got out here before and said, the truth kills everybody. The reason I fired them punk is because they couldn't get the job done. But guess what? Let me tell you the most fear threat in this world today is seeing powerful, intelligent black human beings, black men, get together for one cause. That's what you're going to see right here. You know what the most feared thing on this planet was? Seeing Malcolm X and Martin Luther King coming together. But guess what? That's what you're seeing right here tonight. And you know what you're going to see? We're gonna get the job done by any means necessary. What you see right here is the four most dominant men in the World Wrestling Federation. And what he said is when four men come together, there's not a damn thing that can stop us, including you. You better straighten your face up. If I see you cross your eyes at one of us one more time, it'll tell me what am I do to you. I don't care who you are, I don't care who checks you sign, you cross your eyes at one of us again, you're going to wish God you were never born. I thought he nailed it. Yes, the storyline was very controversial at the time. It would be even more controversial now, but Ahmed Johnson, I thought, was perfect for that role at that time. Memorable random match also from that week in 97. You know, we're right smack in the middle of the ECW versus WWF feud. By now, you have Cornette, Jerry Lawler showing up at ECW Arena. Remember, ECW is also feuding with USWA. ECW had a boatload of momentum at the time. So they had Sabu and RVD showing up on Raw while still employed with ECW. So this week, we got a treat. Sabu, managed by Bill Alfonso, shows up on Monday Night Raw to take on Flash Funk, who you knew as Too Cold Scorpio. Paul Heyman is on commentary with Vince McMahon, and uh, here's highlights from that match. Flash, ladies and gentlemen, ready for action. We got an occasion to chat with him about his opponent, who's a little bit of a freak. Indeed, some would say he's out of his mind, but he's a great competitor, Sabu. I'm sorry. Let me tell you something. You're suicidal. You're homicidal. You're a little bit crazy. You think you're the wild man. Let me tell you something. I'm one of the greatest fighters of all time. You think you're bad like that. Well, it's time to take it to the ring and do that thing to see who the best is. Hey, it's me and you, baby. It's time to crash and burn. Raw is war. I know that's right. Thank you very much. Indeed. Uh, nice hat, by the way. And joining us out here in a different kind of a hat, Paulie Dangerously from ECW. Tell us what we're going to see here in this match. With what Sabu. you're going to see is the most suicidal, the most homicidal, the most genocidal athlete that's ever appeared, not just on Raw's War, but also in extreme championship wrestling, the lord of the hardcores himself, Sabu. All right. Ricky is ready to How's that? Not bad, huh? That remains to be seen. 35 pounds. 
many fans remember Bill Alfonso as a former referee and a, and a pretty good referee in this day, as a matter of fact, but right now he is managing Sabu. What is uh, Sabu's relationship with a man that we are familiar with, Paul E., Mr. Monday Night? Well, who is Sabu? Sabu is the nephew of the original Sheik, and Sabu competed in Japan and in India, and as you will see by the footage that I so graciously brought to you, Sabu is probably the most dangerous athlete on the face of the planet today. And Sabu came to ECW on October 1st, 1993, main evented on our first pay-per-view against Taz, and will be on August 17th, Hardcore Heaven 97, against the Sandman on our second pay-per-view. This man defies any description that you can label him with. Why is his body so scarred, Paul? What is, what's caused that? He's got scars all over himself. This man has paid a price that very few, if any, would be willing to pay. He dives in the barbed wire. He is the lord of the hardcores. And although I don't personally agree with the man, I used to manage him myself. He is Rob Van Dam's partner, but he is without question. Watch this. Great leverage coming off the ropes. Spinning heel kick, and out goes Flash Funk. They have met before, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, look at this. They've met before in the ECW arena, and now Sabu oh! takes the move. Somersault plancha by Sabu. I tell you what, you talk about suicidal. That's a, the best description of this athlete I think you can give him. Uh, he's going for it. Now, you know, Eric Bitchoff can tell you that the public enemy invented tables on national TV, but I can tell you as the man that discovered the public enemy, they stole the entire deal with the tables from that man, Sabu, the originator of the broken table. And tonight on Raw, he is going to put Flash Funk through a table. I personally guarantee it. Sabu from ECW, along with Flash Funk, getting it on live, ladies and gentlemen, from Detroit, Michigan. And a little bit later on, live. Uh-oh. Oh, what a maneuver that was. He won't get up from that one. Well, I guess he does. Live later on, The Undertaker teaming up with the man they call Vader to square off against the new nation of domination. All that and a great deal more coming up. But right now, Sabu with the advantage. And Sabu, look at this. What a, what a hurricane rana, a springboard hurricane rana by Sabu. Is that enough? Nope. And Flash Funk kicks out. Flash Funk is no spring chicken. This is one unbelievable asshole. And he is going to be on the top of his game tonight because he's in there with a man that he knows will take it to the extreme. Here's another look at it. You know, Bill Alfonso was a referee for you for a long time. We adopted him from the Betty Ford Clinic. Really? Really. That's nice to know. He graduated with honors twice. Oh, there you go. He's very proud of it, as a matter of fact. Good anyone who graduates from there should be proud. Many longtime fans certainly remember the antics, the unpredictability, the danger perpetrated by the original Sheik. Sabu is the original Sheik's nephew. And look at this. What? Oh! Oh! Whoa, what a close eye. And Bill Alfonso with that ubiquitous whistle. Ubiquitous. And oh yeah! Great kick, a great martial arts kick by Flash. two athletes live here in Detroit. Turn it out. Turn it on. So you ought to turn it up. And you're seeing your man get
get brought to the extreme, you're seeing a whole new flash fight tonight because he knows he's in there with a dangerous, dangerous competitor. And you're welcome for bringing a new fire out of Flash Funk tonight. That was a very tactical move there. A drop kick right to the knee. Right to the, uh, the knee there by uh, Sabu. Good move by this unorthodox competitor. Oh, he's not just suicidal, homicidal, and genocidal. He is a capable, Whoa. capable athlete. And he knows what he's doing in the ring. Whoa. Just ask Taz, who was taken all the way to the limit at barely legal to pay per view. Watch this. From the top end, Taz. Little Roddy high, but nonetheless, two in. Oh! Sabu, just barely able to squeeze out. You see what the ECW wrestlers can do for the World Wrestling Federation? We're bringing out a whole new Flash Funk for you tonight. And I hope you understand what the World Wrestling Federation can do for you. Oh! Hey, Sorry that's why you see alarm. me here. That's why you don't see me on Nitro. That's why I brought ECW wrestlers right to Raw. Oh, look at that maneuver. Great move. A great move. I don't knock what you guys offer us. I appreciate it very much. And we appreciate it very much. So everybody, everybody appreciates everybody, but I don't know who's going to appreciate this table. But things get out of hand sometimes with your ECW performance. But that's the way Raw's war. This is not a walk through the park. This is not a picnic. This is what it's supposed to be. like you'll see elsewhere. It may be academic, but both men have been counted out. He's going to bust that table, I, I promise you. He's going to bust it if it kills him. Oh. I think it killed him. So what? If not, that's extreme. Flat. That's hardcore. That's why we do pay-per-views. We're too extreme for Monday night. We're too extreme for Raw. I warned you about this. You should listen to me sometime. 1998, Edge makes his WWF in-ring debut. Remember that? The lone, tortured soul. He'd clench his fists and flex and look at this guy and go, ah! Yeah, he must have felt that way after his debut match. He was fighting Jorge Estrada, Los Bariquas. And um, about a minute into the match, there was an attempted somersault by Edge to the outside. His leg hits Estrada's head. Estrada falls back the wrong way, injures his neck. His career is never the same. But Edge, I think his career did pretty damn good for himself. 2000 was so enjoying Crash Holly trading hardcore title uh, wins with Gerald Briscoe, the Stooges. It was so entertaining at the time. And I appreciate everyone who actually has been following, you know, our retrospect of the hardcore title from 2000 and people that keep trying to compare R-Truth in 2019 to Crash Holly 2000 doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about because it really wasn't the avoidance title the more you actually examine the matches. Sure, there was some funny moments here and there, but the f title was always uh, fought and always trying to um, defend the title, and Crash Holly was proud to defend the title, even though he never got any sleep over it. And they even did a funny skit the week before, if anybody remembers. They were promoting the, the movie Shaft, and um, we had Shaft that basically was hired by Crash Holly for protection against uh, the Bris Briscoe and Patterson. Oh, man, that was f some funny shit if you never saw it. But anyway, this week, 
We have King of the Ring coming up, and they're doing qualifying matches. You know, this event on Raw, they had China versus Eddie Guerrero for the King of the Ring qualifier. And they did a little thing where Eddie Guerrero was trying to, you know, just make the moves on China in the ring. And then he abruptly rolls her up for a pin. China is devastated that Eddie would do that to her. And they did a segment where in the back and China's looking in the mirror and she's like, how could you do that to me? She turns around and Eddie Guerrero's got one of the cutest fucking little dogs with a bow on it. And that's his gift to her to basically forget about what happened in the ring. Early days of Eddie Guerrero lying, cheating, and stealing, but still entertaining nonetheless. But another King of the Ring qualifying match from that night, and this was for the last spot in the tournament. You had Crash Holly taking on Hardcore Holly. Now, they're having a match. Crash Holly's the the, uh, Hardcore champion. So, wait a minute. What happens if Hardcore Holly pins Crash Holly? Is he the Hardcore champ as well? No. Now, I know a lot of people today are going to say, well, you know, the 24-7 storyline is, you know, how could they suspend our truth from being in a tag match and suspend the 24-7 rules if it's supposed to be defended 24-7, 365? Well, how WWF used to get away with that back then, which I don't understand why they don't do now, is you re- you required a specific referee for a hardcore title match in order to count the win. Didn't have to be the same referee every time, but you needed your own referee that was assigned just for the hardcore match. And in this match for the King of the Ring qualifier, you had Tim White in the ring, who was the referee of that match. Tim White was not assigned to referee the hardcore match. So if Crash Hollywood had got pinned, because that was not the assigned referee for a hardcore title match, he would not lose the hardcore title. I think you pretty much see where I'm going with this. So basically what would happen is someone else would have to come out with, their own WWF referee assigned for the hardcore title match, and then it would be a hardcore title match. And that's exactly how it went down this night. And uh, very entertaining because both Patterson and Briscoe would uh, taste championship gold. First, let's cover Crash Holly versus Hardcore Holly, King of the Ring qualifier this week at 2000. Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, Val Venus, Bo Buchanan, and Rakishi. Oh, those seven have advanced. Ooh. This is shaping up to be maybe the greatest King of the Ring tournament ever. Oh, I think you're right about that. There's another cover, and Elroy just not going to stay down. Elroy's got a lot of guts. He ain't the biggest dog in the fight, but he's and got a lot of guts. And his name's not Elroy, it's Crash. Oh, you're right. against TNA, Kane and The Undertaker. have uh, They have been successful tonight. They have both won their handicap matchups. And now if The Rock is victorious tonight, that means that this Sunday, the King of the Ring, Triple H's WWE title will be on the line in that six-man tag main event. Oh, my gosh. And it means that if Vince and Shane lose the ball, that Triple H loses the WWE title. Right, right, because they got all those huge egos. I don't know about that, but each of those men want to be WWE champion. They all know what it's like. They all know what what the WWE title brings with it. That's right. That's why you know that The Undertaker's not going to let Kane pin anybody, and Rock's not going to let The Undertaker pin anybody. 
agree with that, King. I'm just hoping TNA don't get pinned by Rocky. Look out here. No. You know, this is a moot point. Well, you might be right. TNA's got a must-win situation as well. You think Trish Stratus will be out here? I would, I would imagine so. She could be quite a distraction for The Rock. I'm sure she could distract The Rock or any other red butter to mail. A, a lot of pressure on The Rock every way you look. I mean, everything's right on The Rock's shoulder for The Undertaker and for Kane. You know, King, I don't know if anybody in the WWF, quite frankly, any more physically intense or tougher than Hardcore Holly. And we're seeing it right here. As I alluded to earlier, last night on Heat, what a matchup Hardcore had with the game. And it was Hardcore who called out the game. I got you. I smell what you're cooking. Look at Crash Holly fighting back. Or can you imagine Crash, who is the Hardcore champion, becoming the king of the ring? That would be like a dream come true for that little guy. Picture it maybe as a little prince, but a king? I don't know. Or a court jester in your view, maybe. I see hey, hey, hardcore. Look who's here. There's a cover, and we got a Patterson and Briscoe. What is Patterson carrying? What's Briscoe trying to hide? And why is that referee here? Something's happening here. What's Patterson doing up there? Why don't you come and get me, boy? Why don't you come and get me? So now Gerald Briscoe is the hardcore champion once again. And, you know, I always tell people, go back, look at Briscoe's age at the time. You would always think he was so much older, but he wasn't even 50 yet. Keep that in mind when you look at some wrestlers today who are still performing in, in their late 40s. So now you got Gerald Briscoe, hardcore champion. Pat Patterson wants to celebrate in the back. With Gerald Briscoe, Gerald Briscoe not even uh, realizing, okay, why is the referee with us drinking champagne? Well, this is why. I tell you, my plans worked, didn't it? Oh, you had confidence. They worked. You got the belt again. That's what you wanted. You wanted it. You got it. You got it. Thank you, Pat. Yes, sir. Hey, what about the door? Go lock the door. Lock the door. Lock the door. Now Thank we're going to celebrate. Oh, I'll right. take you to that place in New York you wanted oh, to go, right, man. man. We go First, go. I got a little champagne. Oh, you here. brought champagne? Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir, Jerry. All right. He's the champion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, let me taste it first. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're the greatest champ of all man, time. You drink out of that glass. Oh, over. come on. Come on. Drink that now. Come on, Jerry. Come on. <laughs> What are you doing? Come on. Come on. All right, all right. 
Cheers. Cheers. Hard Hard cheers. All right. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, wait a minute. The referee's going to oh, help. Come on. Man. He did a good job, ref. Thank you. He did oh, a good you. job. Congratulations. Right there. Congratulations. There you, there you go. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All guys. right. Dude, and you said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Good at you, champ. champ. My right. boys are Jerry, so I'm, I'm so proud of you. My boys are you love me? Oh, love Do you, you love me? You. Tell me you love me. You love me, don't you? All right. Congratulations, Jerry. Come on, Jerry. I work more. Come on. The greatest champion of them all. What do you mean I burn your eyes? You think I burn your eyes? Take that. Good God. Yeah. Patterson. Patterson's coming to Brusco. You go back, you watch it. You know, the the champagne bottle that got smashed over Briscoe's head was fucking a sugar bottle. You could even see Patterson uh, have the real bottle of champagne in his hand. Then he puts it down, he grabs his glass of champagne. And when he goes and grabs the bottle again to bash it over, crashes uh, Gerald Briscoe's head, he grabs a different bottle. And it was just enough fluid in there that it wouldn't melt the sugar, you know, the bottle because of the sugar, but at the same time looked like a great visual, and it was. And uh, I've had some of those sugar stunt bottles. You know, we used to do skits and everything like that. You could buy them online. A lot of uh, magic stores and special effects stores, they're not that expensive. And uh, you'd be surprised what you could buy that, you know, will really look realistic, but not. Last week, 2001, we talked about how uh, people online were able to descramble the voice of the stalker, and it was revealed to be Vince McMahon. So WWE, and trust me, I think they were going to reveal it this week anyway, but I think they scrambled like, all right, we need to end this storyline, this chapter, the storyline right away. So one week later on Monday Night Raw, we finally got to see who actually was stalking The Undertaker's wife, Sarah. Who is it? like this. 
Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly why. Because if you want to make an impact in this business, you go after the biggest, the meanest, the baddest dog in the yard. And once you find that dog, if you want to get the very best of them, you make it personal. Real personal. And then, hey, you find that dog's weakness. Well, Taker, you are obviously that dog. And you've been telling people for years that this ring right here is your yard. We'll see. But up to a few weeks ago, Taker, you have never shown weakness. I mean, never shown weakness. That is, up until a few weeks ago, when you told Stone Cold Steve Austin that if he ever, ever messed with your family, you'd make him famous. Duh. Taker, you idiot. Stone Cold Steve Austin's already famous. But it did get me to thinking, good God. When you said what you said about your family, dead man, you didn't sound so dead. As a matter of fact, you sounded very alive. And for you, son, that's a sign of weakness. Taker, think about it. Remember when you used to say, I've slept through things that make most people's hair turn gray. Remember that? Okay, you didn't say it exactly like that, but you remember that. You also said you weren't afraid of anything. Foul! I'm gonna call you on that right now. Taker, I'm calling you a liar. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I am. Cause take a look at him now. He's running around his house, locking all the windows, locking the doors. I can just see him now calling Vince McMahon this morning. Mr. McMahon, I can't possibly come in and compete tonight. I can't leave my wife, Sarah. There's a madman. There's a stalker trying to get to my wife, Sarah. You're scared to death. How's it feel, son? I'll tell you what, there is a positive side to this. Diamond Dallas Page has made your wife, Sarah, famous. And speaking of famous, nobody, and I mean nobody, deserves to be more famous than the king of Bada Bing. The master of the diamond cutter. Nobody deserves to be more famous than B. D. D. P. Because my whole life, I've been wanting to be in this business. I was eight years old. My whole life, people have been telling me, until you've been to the CSO, until you've been to the show, until you've been to the very top of our business, you're never really famous. 
So Taker, trust me, I'm using you to get to the top of this business. And you can take it to the bank, whether I gotta buy a ticket or not. I will see you at King of the Ring. You got a problem with me? Cool. Taker, I'm begging you, make me famous! <laughs> Good God, Paul. This WCW star has just impacted the entire industry. Big time, the invasion is on, and WCW has made one hell of an impact here on Raw tonight. Well, here comes some security, and, and the stalker, DDP, leaving right through the crowd. This WCW star has, has shaken the foundation here. Paige says he's going to be at the King of the Ring. And by God, I promise you, so will The Undertaker be, Paul. He will be there. I know back then, even though the storyline didn't end at King of the Ring, it felt it was being really, really rushed. And a lot of people thought that maybe The Undertaker just absolutely does not like the fact that Sarah was being involved in the storyline. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and trust me, you will not get any answer from him in any type of interview right now. I don't think that would ever be brought up. But uh, we also had Booker T make his WWE debut. This was right in the Invasion storyline. Uh, at the time, we were concerned because Steve Austin, the way that he went through the table, we thought he seriously injured himself or re-injured himself. And we would learn that he did suffer some injury at the time, but had no blame whatsoever on Booker T. And I don't think Booker T should have been bl blamed. But I will always remember that King of the Ring for the street fight between Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon. I know we've shared the audio before, but this is a match where you have to see the visual. You keep in mind that Shane McMahon was not a regular wrestler at the time or ever. The fact that you realize we're almost 20 years ago when that happened, and uh, man, they really tore it up. And my God, being throw, thrown through the plate glass windows in the back, the glass, it was sick, man. And uh, there's a lot of... Uh, Interview clips now between Angle and Shane McMahon, the WWE Network is done, which really makes this even more uh, astonishing how brutal it was. And um, that fucking Angle suplex at the end or on a board on the top ring, it was just, it was insane, man. You got to go out of your way and watch it. If you have never seen that match, no excuse. Stop what you're doing and watch it. If you have the time, you will love it. King of the Ring semifinals, you had Kurt Angle over Christian, Edge over Rhino. King of the Ring final, Edge defeats Kurt Angle to win the King of the Ring tournament. You had the Dudleys over Kane and Spike Dudley to retain the tag titles. Jeff Hardy over X-Pac to retain the light heavyweight title. Kurt Angle over Shane McMahon in the street fight, like I just said. Steve Austin over Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit in a triple threat match to retain the WWF championship. Sunday Night Heat match that was taped earlier. Matt Hardy over Justin Credible to retain their European title. Wrapping up 2001, we also got this week the debut, first ever episode of Tough Enough. 
Uh, they had several seasons afterwards. A lot of people always remember the first season. Uh, the winners of that Tough Enough was Maven and Nydia. Chris Nowinski, Josh, and Taylor were the runners-up. Taz, Jackie, Al Snow, even Tori, you know, great as trainers. I thought it was good. You know, I mean, uh, the, the, the house, you know, just that felt like, all right, catering a little too much. But they needed an entertainment aspect to it, so we totally understood why. But I still thought it was a great concept. And um, damn you, WWE, for having Maven win. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, talking about debuts, 2002, NWA TNA finally debuts. We had uh, months of hype, and it was finally going to deliver their first ever weekly pay-per-view. And it took place this week in 02. In fact, they taped uh, the following weeks that night as well. And uh, the big main event from that night was Ken Shamrock defeating Malice to win the vacant NWA World Heavyweight title. Ricky Steamboat was a special guest referee. Uh, if you remember, Dan Severn was stripped of the NWA belt. So uh, they had Shamrock defeat Malice to win the title. Some matches from that night, Cheeks over Frank Parker, Apollo over David Young in dark matches. You had the Flying Elvises over AJ Styles, Jerry Lynn, and Loki. Teo defeats Hollywood, Midgets. The Johnsons over James Storm in Psychosis. The, uh, the Dupps, Bowen stand up over Christian York and Joey Matthews. Ken Shamrock and Malice uh, were the last two remaining in the gauntlet for the Gold Battle Royal uh, to fight for the NWA Championship. Other participants, Chris Harris, Buff Bagwell, Brian Christopher, uh, Del Rios, uh, Devin Storm, Grand Apollo, Justice, Jeff Jarrett, Kate Crush, Conan, Lash LaRue, Rick Steiner, and Norman Smiley, along with Steve Carino, Vampire Warrior, Slash, and Scott Hall. Uh, not bad, you know. It wasn't, uh, it, you know, everybody will always remember, you know, that little segment that we talked about with um, Francine getting her chest grabbed by Ed Farrow. I think, you know, that's a little moment I think they want you to forget about as quickly as possible. You also had uh, the Lingerie Battle Royal, which was taking place on the second week. That was taped that night as well. Taylor Vaughn uh, defeated Electra. Alexis Lurie, Francine, Aaron, Joni, Miss Sasha, Shannon, who was Daphne, and Tyler. And I always tell that story. You know, at this time, I was uh, involved with XPW, and uh, we would bring in Daphne. And um, Daphne at the time was very, very upset that she was not allowed to use the name Daphne. I think Jimmy Hart had owned the rights to it. When WCW went out of business, apparently Jimmy Hart had taken over the copyrights or the, I don't think it was trademarks, but he had ownership of various names and that was one of them. And uh, she had asked permission to use it in the match and uh, they said no. She would ask permission to use it in XBW and they said, she said no. So that's why she ended up going with Lucy Fur. She was not allowed to use Daphne, but later on they would work things out and you now can always see her as Daphne, which is the way it should have been. From week two, Scott Hall over Jeff Jarrett, Cheeks over Frank Parker, Brian Christopher over Kate Crush, Grand Apollo over David Young, uh, Taylor Vaughn winning that Miss TNA Lingerie Battle Royal, America's Most Wanted over the Rainbow Express, and AJ Styles over Jerry Lynn, Lowkey, and Psychosis, the Fatal Four Way Double Elimination Match to win the X Division Championship. Ricky Steamboat, once again, special guest referee. 
2002, King of the Ring, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Sunday Night Heat, the Hardy Boys over Raven and Stevie Richards. Semifinals for the King of the Ring, RVD over Jericho, Brock Lesnar over Test. King of the Ring final, Brock Lesnar over RVD to win the 2002 King of the Ring tournament and the opportunity for a WWE Championship match at SummerSlam. Other matches from that night, Jamie Noble and the Hurricane, uh, they fight with Noble defeating the Hurricane to win the Cruiserweight title. Ric Flair over Eddie Guerrero. Molly Holly over Trish Stratus to win the women's title. Kurt Angle over Hulk Hogan. And a big note from that match, Hogan submitted. First submission ever in WWE history for Hulk Hogan. Main event, Undertaker over Triple H to retain the undisputed title. Wrapping up 2002, you know, one moment that, you know, we still don't know all the details about and, and a moment that, you know, was really, really sad. First, uh, the really sad moment, I know some people may think the second one was, but I don't think so. Uh, Bret Hart, unfortunately, suffers suffers a stroke. You might remember he had fallen off a bicycle and almost immediately after a blood clot had reached his brain. That is not good. Um, he had temporary, temporary paralysis in one side of his body. And he would go through massive rehabilitation uh, just to try to get back to some type of normality. Uh, really, really uh, concerning in 02. A lot of people were really, really nervous. Uh, blood clot to the brain. Do any research on that and you understand why that is such a serious deal. Also this week, Vince Russo was brought back to WWE originally as their head TV writer. And within days, I guess WWE had buyer's remorse or decided to go in a different direction and he was uh changed to consultant now there's been some explanation over the years as to why things changed but you know i'm not going to speculate but uh you know vince russo would ultimately go to tna not too long after that and uh i thought he did a great job at tna early on without a doubt speaking of tna this week in 2003, they had their first ever anniversary show. D'Lo Brown, Frankie Kazarian, and the Sandman over Sonny Siaki, David Young, and Don Harris. For the X Division Championship, Chris Sabin over Paul London to retain the belt. The Hard 10 Tournament Semifinal, New Jack over Mike Sanders. Just Incredible over Jerry Lynn. Kenzo Suzuki and Perry Saturn fought to a no contest. For the NWA Tag Titles, Triple X of Christopher Daniels and Neil Skipper over America's Most Wanted to retain the titles. Jeff Jarrett, in the main event, teams up with Sting to defeat AJ Styles and X-Pac. Same week, 2003, Monday Night Raw is from Madison Square Garden. Uh, first off, we had a really cool tribute to Mick Foley. He had just written a book, was going to take a, sub a substantial amount of time off, uh, banged up. He would return to the WWF, I think, in late uh, 03. But then ultimately he would find himself in TNA. But this night in 03, they did a nice tribute. Austin was in the ring, RVD, Al Snow, um, paying tribute to the hardcore legend. Vince McMahon comes out and, you know, he's berating Mick Foley. But then at the very end, he says, you know, I got two words for you. Not suck it. Everybody thought he was going to say, yeah, fired. But he said, thank you. Shuck uh, Mick Foley's hand. They hugged. You know, Vince playing off that he doesn't like hugging, but it was a nice little send-off. But in, in in the only way Foley could go out, as far as TV goes, later on in the night, you have Randy Orton and Ric Flair involved in a, in a match. 
And um, they show Mick Foley in the back with Vince McMahon, and Mick Foley is signing a book for Vince McMahon. So Randy Orton and Ric Flair walk by, and Foley just basically says, great match, you know, whatever. Ric Flair took offense to it, and they beat up on Foley. And then next thing you know, they're in like a corridor of uh, stairwell, and Rand Randy Orton punts Mick Foley in the head, and Mick Foley falls down a flight of stairs. And then they see Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon would thinking, okay, he's concerned because he was giving a little tribute to Foley moments earlier. He's asking for help. I need a janitor. I need cleanup. It was pretty fucking funny. Uh, something else that happened that night. We're right smack in the middle of Theodore Long's five-minute white boy challenge. You know, if you remember, he was managing Rodney Mack, and they were doing these white boy challenges. Try to find a white boy who could beat Rodney Mack within five minutes. So far up to this point, no one could. Rodney Mack was 5-0. and oh. So who would be the sixth challenger to Rodney Mack or Theodore Long's five-minute white boy challenge? Well, Rodney Mack and Theodore Long in the ring. And I'm sure Theodore could give a damn Nick Foley. Player. Well, as I can see tonight, I guess the man thinks that he's going to ruin Theodore Long's night. You feel me? Well, let me say something to you, players. When Theodore Long and Rodney Mack leaves Madison Square Garden tonight, we're going to have a smile on our faces. And the reason why, because it's time for the Theodore Long five-minute white boy challenge. Believe that. Oh, no. Now, if there's any white boy on the planet that thinks he can stand up to the thugging and bugging of Rodney Mack, the undefeated one, then get him out here. Any white boy, any white boy anywhere that thinks he can stand up.
And finally, that night on Raw, we finally got to see Kane unmasked. He wrestled Triple H in the main event. It was mask versus title. Kane lost. At the time, RVD and Kane were a pretty steady tag team, quote-unquote friends. And uh, RVD is trying to console Kane, even though Kane's got to remove the mask. Takes it off. I remember, man, we laughed. We laughed because he just looked like, what was it, uh, Shemp? Or who was the fucking, uh, who was Larry, Larry Fine from the Three Stooges. He just looked goofy. And they put like, I don't know, dirt on his face or, you know, that, that black dust from the cigarette butts. It just looked bad. It just did. And look, Kane fucking nailed it as a psycho after taking the mask off. Kane definitely did an awesome job. But when they first took that mask off, you know, they're trying to cover up, you know, the, all the storylines of him being burned and deformed and all his other, you know, they had to have known sooner or later he's going to have to show that he's not deformed or burned. And, you know, they tried to play it off that it was in his head. It, uh, blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. 2004, Kurt Angle, you know, still recovering in a wheelchair, but the GM for SmackDown, you know, he's booking matches, and this week on SmackDown, he decides to put John Cena in a match against The Undertaker. But Kurt Angle does it in only the way Kurt Angle can. Uh, what was that show that we used to see on TV? Yo! MTV Raps? Well, this week we got Yo! Kurt Angle Raps. My name is Kurt Angle. I try to be nice. I'm an Olympic gold medalist, not some weak vanilla ice. Which is why I'm happy I no longer have the blues. Because come this Sunday, John Cena, you're gonna lose. I think it's quite sad, maybe even tragic. You'll be a bigger loser than the Orlando Magic. Bye-bye, T-Mac. You think you're so slick, like a pool of grease. But tonight, John Cena, you're gonna rest in peace. Cena, word life. Wrapping up 2004, Ring of Honor has their first ever Survival of the Fittest tournament. It takes place in Philly. I guess you could sort of compare it to King of the Ring with the exception of the end. Uh, basically, you would have six qualifying matches, and the winners of those six matches would, in the end, go on to fight in a six-way elimination match, with the winner being the first ever Survival of the Fittest. And, you know, a little research that I uncovered while, you know, checking out this history. To this day, no one has ever won the Survival of the Fittest tournament twice. Believe it or not, no one has ever won it twice. And by the way, whoever won the tournament would also receive a future championship match in Ring of Honor. The qualifying matches, Mark Briscoe over Alex Shelley, Cole Cabana over Trent Acid. Generation Next which was Austin Aries and Roderick Strong over John Walters and Josh Daniels. Now, originally, there's supposed to be a singles match between Walters and Aries, but because Generation Next 
attacked um, John Walters, they decided to uh, have the tag team match. Now, because Austin Aries got the pin, he advances. Homicide over Jay Briscoe, Brian Danielson over Jack Evans, Samoa Joe over Matt Stryker. The final match, which was a six-way elimination match to win Survival of the Fittest, you had Brian Danielson defeat Austin Aries, Homicide, Cole Cabana, Mark Briscoe, and Samoa Joe to win the Survival of the Fittest. Samoa Joe eliminated by Cole Cabana, Cabana eliminated by Briscoe, Briscoe and Homicide eliminated each other in a double pin, and Austin Aries eliminated by Brian Danielson. First ever Survival of the Fittest. Talk about a fun episode, right? 2005, Raw, Phoenix, Arizona, another wedding gone wrong. This week, we have Edge and Leader supposed to get married on Monday Night Raw. Uh, even during the ceremony, they trolled everybody with Matt Hardy's music. Remember, Matt Hardy was gone uh, in the midst of this was his uh, few months that he was on the indie circuit. They played his music. Fans thought Matt Hardy was there. He wasn't. We had Snitsy come out and cut a rather crappy promo. You know, for time constraints, we'll trim this ceremony down to the most important moments. They're about to give their wedding vows, and unfortunately, somebody decides to crash the wedding. And uh, in case you need a hint, this person tombstoned the actual priest of the ceremonies. It's now time for Edge and Lita to proclaim their love and commitment to each other. Do you have the rings? Very good. And I understand that you have written your own vows. Then Edge, place the ring on Lita's finger and proceed with your vows. Lita, everyone knows me as money in the bank. And now you also know me as money in the, uh, money in the sack. <laughs> and, and I know you've had some rough times because of a bald, sweaty, seven-foot monster. But tonight when the Padre says, do you take this man? You'll be marrying a man and not a monster. Not a seven foot sweaty, sexually incompetent freak. Okay, okay, Lita. Please place the ring on Edge's finger and proceed with your vows. Lena, please. What's the matter with these people, JR? Edge, I may have been unlucky in marriage, but I've never been unlucky in love because I never loved Cain. And I now know, after falling in love with you, that I have never been in love with any man.
She's choking up. I don't blame her. I don't, I don't care what these people say. And it might hurt. But if falling in love with you makes me a slut, Well, then I'm proud. I am proud to be the slut of the century. Oh my. I told you this is going to be different. Oh Some beautiful vows. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. If there's anybody here that feels these two should not be joined in holy matrimony, then let them speak now or forever hold your peace. Well then, if nobody actually objects, then by the power vested in me by God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is right. It's King. King, we're coming through the right through the ring. Oh my gosh! Fucking King on the depths of hell, and he's assaulting Edge. They're just trying to sh- to use the 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 reverend there. A look of sheer fright. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that Kane has has done this to this sacred ceremony. He's ruined it. Kane came right. Look at that. Kane destroyed this this wedding chapel. This that was designed. Wait a minute, you can't do the hell he can't. Who's gonna stop? Oh no! A seven foot three hundred thirty pound monster! I don't think the ceremony was finished! King came up like he was rising from the depths of hell. Oh no, wait, 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 wait! A... And you notice no one is rushing to the ring to restrain King. I, I, I guess this means Kane objects. My God, the destruction that that King is about to deliver on Edge and Lita. Priest, man, I. I'm gonna forget this. Ain't trying to comfort the priest, who's, who's only trying to do his. I'll bet he's never presided over a wedding like this in his entire life. No doubt about that. What must that man Kane be thinking right now? Why is he smiling? I don't think that's a smile. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! No, my God, no! 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 That's the priest! Not a tombstone! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Kane is 
2005 was not all that bad, everybody. First off, we had Slammiversary from Florida. Dark match, Simon Diamond and Triton over Sonny Siaki and Apollo. Sharkboy over Delirious, Jarrell Clark, Elix Skipper, Red, and Zach Gowan. You had Shaka over Alex Shelley. Ron Killings over The Outlaw. The Naturals over Team Canada to retain the NWA tag titles. Samoa Joe makes his NWA TNA debut, defeating Sunjay Dutt. Match went about six minutes. Not bad. Bobby Roode over Lance Hoyt. America's Most Wanted over three live crew. Christopher Daniels over Chris Saban and Michael Shane in a three-way elimination match to retain the X Division title. And the main event, Raven defeats Abyss, AJ Styles, Monty Brown, and Sean Waltman in a King of the Mountain match to win the NWA World Heavyweight title. Wrapping up 2005, who could ever forget the summer of punk? At this time, we knew that CM Punk had signed a deal with WWE. He was basically fulfilling his remaining dates before going to World Wrestling Entertainment. And this week in 05, we had the Death Before Dishonor 3 event, Marstown, New Jersey. And this was advertised as CM Punk's final match before leaving to go to WWE. So we'll get back to CM Punk in a minute. Match results from that night, BJ Whipner and Jimmy Jacobs over Jimmy Raven Fast Eddie to retain the Ring of Honor tag titles. You had the Carnage crew over the Ring Crew Ex- Express in an Anything Goes match. Samoa Joe over Colt Cabana to retain the Pure Championship. AJ Styles over Petey Williams. Izzy and Deranged over Roderick Strong and Jack Evans. Nigel McGuinness defeated Homicide, Azriel, and James Gibson in a four-corner survivor match. Jay Lethal and Loki fought to a no contest. And in the main event for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship, Austin Aries loses the belt to CM Punk. Now, people a little concerned, like, wait a minute, CM Punk... He's leaving. He just won the title. Kind of reminiscent when the Dudleys won the tag titles in ECW when they came back. Kind of reminiscent when uh, you had Taz defeat Mike Awesome for the ECW title. He was a contracted WWF wrestler. So people are wondering, what's going to happen with CM Punk? Now, your immediate thought is, okay, someone else is going to come out later on, challenge CM Punk, he will lose that match, and he will still end up leaving to go to WWE right then and there. And yes, there was a confrontation later on with Christopher Daniels. But the interesting thing about it is CM Punk would walk out that night, still Ring of Honor, heavyweight champion, and oh, by the way, he cut this promo for the live crowd. Now, as I have said many times in the past, One of the huge detriments for Ring of Honor up until recent years is their god-awful production value. Um, Even if you're not on pay-per-view yet, it's just their production value is god-awful. Too much shit run on the cheap. As you will hear later on in this show, running on the cheap costs them their live stream for their live eye pay-per-views. But let's, for now, focus on 2005, The Summer of Punk Begins. Isn't this the prettiest thing you've ever seen in your entire life? It was, it was almost 
it was a year ago, it was over a year ago, I had this belt high in the air after I fought for it for the first time in Dayton, Ohio against Samoa Joe, and I proclaimed this right here, the most important belt in North America. Right now, in my hands, as of this day, 618.05, this becomes the most important belt in the world! This belt in the hands of any other man is just a belt. In my hands it becomes power. Just like this microphone in the hands of any of the boys in the back is just a microphone. You put it in the hands of a dangerous man like myself and it becomes a pipe bomb. These words that I speak, spoken by anybody else but me, are simply words strung together and loosely formed into sentences. What I say, I mean, what I mean, I say, and they become anthems. You see, if I could be afforded the time to tell all of you here today a little bit of a story. It's a parable of sorts. There was once an old man walking home from work. He was walking in the snow, and he stumbled upon a snake frozen in the ice. He took that snake and he brought it home and he took care of it and he thought it out and he nursed it back to health. And as soon as that snake was well enough, it bit that old man and as that old man lay there dying, he asked the snake, why? I took care of you. I loved you. I saved your life. And that snake looked that man right in the eye and said, you stupid old man, I'm a snake. The greatest thing the devil ever did was make you people believe he didn't exist. And you're looking at him right now. I am the devil himself and all of you stupid, mindless people.
don't have to love it. But you better learn to accept it. Because I'm taking this with me. And there isn't a single person in that locker room that can stop me. So CM Punk would stay with Ring of Honor for about two months. And then he would lose the title. Now, you know, look, you look at it however you will. But a lot of people in my camp felt that James Gibson becoming Ring of Honor champion preceding CM Punk was a huge step down. My opinion. 2006 TNA has Slammiversary from Florida. Dark match Team Canada over the Naturals. Team 3D over the James Gang in a bingo hall brawl. Rhino over Team Canada, which was Coach Damore and Bobby Roode in a two-on-one handicap match. Senshi defeats Alex Shelley, Sanjay Dutt, Sharkboy, Peter Williams, and Jay Lethal in an X-Division elimination match. You had Kevin Nash over Chris Sabin. Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles over America's Most Wanted to win the NWA tag titles. Samoa Joe over Scott Steiner. In the main event, Jeff Jarrett defeats Abyss. Christian, Ron Killings, and Sting in a King of the Mountain match to win the NWA World Heavyweight title. 2006. All right. Last week, ECW's first ever episode on sci-fi. You know, my buddy, my hotline host at the time, Timmy Austin, God rest his soul, he, as the zombie, takes on the Sandman in the first ever match on ECW TV, on sci-fi. So... We're one week removed from that, and this week we get the Sandman in action once again, and this week he takes on, not Nacho Libre, but Macho Libre. Ooh, yeah! What the hell? What the hell is this? Wait a minute. What the? What, what the hell is this? This next contest is scheduled for one fall. Making his way to the ring first, weighing 254 pounds, Macho Libre. You said Macho, right? Macho Libre. Last week we had a freaking zombie out here, not Macho Libre. Actually, this guy's got a worse body than Jack Black. Wait a minute, he's actually, actually, wait a minute, this guy's going to say something? I got to hear this. Hold on. Nice shades, by the way. <laughs> Buenas noches. Ooh, yeah! Dig it! <laughs> Living La Vida Loca! Yeah! Living La Vida Loca! Say everything twice! Yeah! Say everything twice! Ooh, yeah! <laughs> so this is ECW. Well, Macho Libre is looking for a fight. Yeah, looking for a fight. I think he said Ooh, that. Oh, yeah! Snap into it! <laughs> oh, yeah, well. <laughs> snap into it. Oh, yeah. Somebody, somebody's going to snap into Macho Libre, all right. <laughs> Take a look at the five-time ECW World Heavyweight Champion, the Oh, Macho's in trouble. Yo, I am 
I'm the Sandman, an ECW original. I love drinking beer, chasing women. If you get my way, I'm getting the holy hell out of you. <laughs> my man, he's not kidding either. That's the way the Sandman rolls. The extreme icon, the Sandman. I tell you what, Taz, we may be in the state capital of New York, but not even the governor can save Macho Libre. Not to be confused with uh, Randy Savage, by the way. Let me tell you something, 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 something. Oh, yeah! Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> and oh, the my God. The bell has rung. Oh, this match is officially underway. But the bell has definitely rung. <laughs> Macho Libre's bell is still ringing. Buenos noches. What does that mean? Like, good night? Yeah, good night to Macho Libre. You're not kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yo, white Russian leg sweep on this big steaming pile of sports entertainment. It's over. <laughs> I love it. Wow. I'll tell you what, Joey. I'll bet you'll see Macho Libre on Raw this Monday. <laughs> he fit perfect in there. Look at these, a black cowboy hat. A brown with some pajamas. And for those who are going to ask, it was Tony DeVito of the Baldies who played the role of Nacho Libre. Did other satires as well. Uh, WWE should have sort of writing on the wall almost immediately. Later on that week, uh, they had an ECW event in Philly. Yours truly, the Blackheart Sports Entertainment Hotline was in full force at this event. This event, easily one of the most fun, god-awful events that I've ever been to. First off, um, you know, they were enforcing no blood. They had fake rub barbed wire, uh, barbed wire in the building, but it was used as props. It was never used in a match. You had all night long, this show sucks, fuck you, Vince, chance. Paul Heyman came out to cut a promo. You know, Tommy Dreamer came out to cut a promo. They, everybody showed respect to the ECW originals, but everybody else, they just ripped apart. Big Show, booed out of the building, given don't come back chance. You had later on, uh, they teased that there was going to be a false Count Anywhere match. Instead, it was an extreme bikini contest. Trinity was involved. Kelly Kelly ripped apart, booed out of the building. Francine won. Uh, it was just not good. Uh, Sandman beat Just Incredible in dueling Singapore Canes match. Big Show over Tommy Dreamer. RVD over Kurt Angle. Sabu over C.W. Anderson. And I'm leaving out so many horrendous, god-awful moments of that night. Um, had a great attendance. Turnout was about 1,500, 1,600 fans. They did not like what they saw. Very, very watered down, and uh, they just did not like it. Now we uh, wrap up 2006. Eh, you want to see the picture, sick freaks. Um, you know, we have Triple H and Shawn Michaels reliving their DX days. They did a skit towards the end of the show where they took Jonathan Coachman, put him through a wall in the back, you know, very, very thin sheetrock. And while Jonathan Coachman is out cold, half of his body inside a wall, they pull his pants down to show his bare ass and they spray paint DX on the coach's ass. 2007, it is the anniversary of 
the Chris Benoit double homicide suicide tragedy. And look, this show covers as much history as we could get into, but we can't spend tons of time on any one particular incident. And obviously this changed the landscape of wrestling forever. My God, just mainstream news. It was just terrible as far as what went down. My advice to everyone out there, even though the audio is a little bit more primitive, if you really want to listen to one of the most eerie, uh, just awkward podcasts that ever went down, you have to go back to our 2007 episode of The Minority Report. That's what our show was called at the time. I hosted it, Joey924, Black Moses, Kevin uh, Castle, Uh, was on the show on a semi-regular basis at that time. And anybody that listens to our shows Monday night now, you know, 11, 15 p.m. Eastern, we start our show. It's been doing that online since the mid-2000s. My hotline, I used to do that in 97. So the reason why I say this is because our show on Monday night always airs about 10 to 15 minutes after WWE goes off the air. In the past, when they have their overruns, it would end at 11.07, 11.10, so we would just start a show live about five minutes later. No time really to prepare or let things sink in as far as what goes down. And this week in 07, on that Monday, we learn of the Benoit tragedy. And at this time, at around 11 o'clock at night, everybody's under the impression that the family was murdered. So WWF does a tribute show to Chris Benoit. We open up our podcast, and I later added a disclaimer at the very beginning, which you could still hear online right now. But we started our podcast paying tribute to Chris Benoit. We were absolutely shocked and floored. We had people calling in who were shocked and floored as well. And as we're doing the show, live news tidbits start coming in that it may not be that all three members were murdered, that Chris Benoit may have committed the murders and then killed himself. So as the show progresses, we're getting this information in real time. The bottom line is by the time the show was finished, we knew that Chris Benoit killed his family. And it was just a really eerie show that to this day, I still get messages, PMs, tweets from listeners saying, wow, I just heard that Benoit episode for the first time or wow, I haven't heard that episode for years and I just listened to it now and it's so creepy and eerie. I don't think there was any other show that was on live that night that that happened to. We're the only show in real time as all of the news of Benoit killing his family and then killing himself went down. Very, very sick, very eerie. We'll never know all the details. No suicide notes were left. You know, by now you already know all the details, the text messages. You know, WWE is very concerned. Remember, that weekend they had the Vengeance pay-per-view, Night of Champions. And Chris Benoit was supposed to take on CM Punk for the vacant ECW heavyweight title. And because of, quote-unquote, a family emergency, Chris Benoit didn't show. Apparently the family emergency is that he killed his wife. It's fucking sick when you go back and think about it, but... Let me give you the match results from Vengeance, which did take place this weekend, uh, this week in history too. Super crazy over Carlito in a dark match. 
for the World Tag Team titles, Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch over the Hardys. You had Chavo retain the Cruiserweight title, defeating Jimmy Wang Yang. Since Benoit did not appear, you had Johnny Nitro defeat CM Punk to win the vacant ECW World Heavyweight title. Santino Morello over Umaga by DQ. Santino retains the IC title. For the United States title, MVP retains defeating Ric Flair. For the WWE tag titles, Deuce and Domino retain defeating Jimmy Snooker and Sergeant Slaughter. Edge retains the World Heavyweight title defeating Batista in a last chance match. You had Candice Michelle over Molina to win the women's title. In the main event, a a five-pack challenge for the WWE Championship. John Cena retains, defeating King Booker, Mick Foley, Randy Orton, and Bobby Lashley. So there you go. A very awkward week in pro wrestling. And mixed in with all of that, you had Ron Killings and Conan quit TNA. Now, not going to get into that whole story as far as Conan. I mean, you already know you know, the reasons behind it, him needing to get the uh, kidney transplant, need to get hip surgery, and there was a lot of issues. There was ultimately uh, a lawsuit filed claiming racial discrimination. It got settled out of court, but, um, you know, it was just a very, very bad week in pro wrestling. I don't know if it's ever recovered. 2008, WWE has their draft lottery on Monday Night Raw in San Antonio, Texas. And, uh, you know, a little bit of controversy. You know, first off, uh, anybody could be drafted. And we learned during that night that Jim Ross was drafted to SmackDown and Michael Cole was drafted to Raw. And Jim Ross so incensed that he was not told in advance that he would be moved to SmackDown. He almost quit. But being the professional that he is, he did not. And he made the best of it. Uh, Also that night, we had the last installment of McMahon's Million Dollar Mania, where he would call people at home and give them a half a million dollars. You know, remember, this was all to pop ratings. It did not help. You know, for those that are curious, I did the research. During the three weeks that they did this Million Dollar Mania, where you, if you were watching Raw and you knew the password, you might get a phone call from Vince for money. It only averaged a 3.25 rating for the three weeks. After this ended, the ratings actually increased. For the next month, their ratings went up to a 3.4 and a 3.5. And by the end of 2008, the rating was down all the way to a 3.0. But at the very end of the last giveaway, you know, they did those little special effects where, you know, the ring, the, the, the rampway buckled and Vince McMahon fell backwards. And keep in mind... In 07, we had the storyline of Vince blowing up in a limo. Who tried to kill Vince McMahon? That storyline was dropped because of the Benoit tragedy. So now in 08, we now have again Vince McMahon accident. Somebody trying to kill Vince? Storyline was never followed through. We don't even know if it was a quote-unquote attempted murder. But it was a way to write off the million-dollar mania. After three weeks, money was given away, and... uh didn't really seem to have helped the ratings at all. Also in 2008, the Ultimate Warrior wrestles his last ever match. It's a memorable one. Took place for New Wrestling of Evolution, and he took on Orlando Jordan for the NWE World Heavyweight title in Barcelona, Spain. Um, Match went 17 minutes. You know, Ultimate Warrior was 49 at the time, and... um, 
you know, after he won the belt, he vacated the title. And, uh, you know, match was what it was. I don't think anybody expected anything there. I think if anybody expected anything a little bit different, maybe it would have been his his hair length. <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, but I think that was the one thing that people were talking about more than anything at the time. Uh, also, the controversy with Ultimate Warrior and some of the things, the comments he had said in the previous, and then him taking on Orlando Jordan, who everybody knew was homosexual, was interesting. It had a little weird dynamic to it, but you know they both put on uh, a, a decent performance. Anyway, 2008, wrapping it up. Oh, why not? Get more goofy stuff. TNA started a new webcast called Spin Cycle. Not bad. A roundtable dis discussion with employees of TNA Wrestling discussing various topics and a lot of times very lighthearted. Jeremy Borash hosted a show. And for those that may never have experienced any segments of TNA Spin Cycle, here is a random one-minute clip of Jeremy Borash asking certain knockouts if any of them could make noises with their body parts. Mm-hmm. All right, the question is, can you make a noise with a body part? Kind of a strange one here, but I'm very anxious to see what the answer is. Let's take her for a spin. SoCal Val, what's the answer? My answer is you're creepy, and I'm not answering that question. Uh, uh, well, I'm creepy. I'll take the obvious yeah, for two Yeah, I like Val. creepy. Okay, let's break some news Creepy's here. good. How about you, Rockacon? You know what? Me and Val aren't stupid. You can't get any cheap noises out of us right now. You would love to hear the noises that we make. Mm. But it's oh, not going to happen. Really? Really? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's move over to this side of the table. Christy, yeah, Christy any strange noises? Sorry, I can I can make a dolphin noise. Wait, you can make a... Whoa. <laughs> oh, that's real attractive. Wow. Yeah, that's that's that. a dolphin that's noise. Right. Oh. It's not her mating noise. Hey, it it's not her mating <laughs> <laughs> All right, ODB, your uh, body make any strange noise? JB, yes, it does. What? Uh, let me show you. That we're talking oh, about it, yeah. What is Actually, she I only do it to guys, though. I don't want to watch. I like to get real close. You know, dim the lights. Maybe light a few candles and mm -hmm. blast a big one right in his face! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I hate it when oh, chicks yeah. fart on me. That's the last time. No more chicks farting on me. I'm done with that. All right. Believe it or not, everyone, Spin Cycle doesn't get enough love. It actually had some really entertaining episodes. Seriously, not bad at all. 2009, Slammiversary from Detroit, Michigan. First time we had two King of the Mountain matches take place. Suicide over Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, Consequences Creed, and Jay Lethal in a King of the Mountain match to retain the X Division title. Christopher Daniels over Shane Douglas. Angelina Love over Tara to retain the Knockouts title. Abyss and Taylor Wilde over Daphne and Raven in a Monsters Ball tag team match. It's Sting over Matt Morgan. Beer Money over Team 3D to win the TNA tag titles. In the main event, Kurt Angle defeats AJ Styles, Mick Foley, Jeff Jarrett, and Samoa Joe in a King of the Mountain match to win the TNA World Heavyweight title. Also this week in 2009, remember last week Donald Trump bought Monday Night Raw advertising that this week would be commercial free and it was and during this uh week donald trump featured all over the episode uh ultimately he would sell back monday night raw to vince mcmahon only one week after quote-unquote buying it i think he got double his money um it wasn't all that bad because during the show uh donald trump fired santina marella which is always a good thing just fucking hated that god-awful, you know, gimmick they were doing with Miss WrestleMania. Hated it. 
But also something that I think a lot of people forgot. Remember all those guest hosts that we had on WWE Raw week after week? A lot of them got awful. Sometimes you had gems like Bob Barker and some others, but a lot of them were just not good. Well, you know, it kind of started this week with in history with Donald Trump making this announcement. Is everybody having a good time? There's nothing like really good ownership, is there? <laughs> we get rid of this guy, McMahon, nothing like it. Okay, earlier tonight, I told everybody that after the show, you're getting your money back. Unheard of. <laughs> Amazing. For all the people watching television, I said something very simple. No commercials tonight. Commercial free. Not bad. Never happened before. How much money do you think that cost? <laughs> you know, the new general manager that Vince wanted to appoint, I'm not going to appoint a general manager. Nope. instead appoint a celebrity host every week every week no general managers who wants what? general managers a celebrity host every week a new host it could be an actor it could be some great looking actress yes yes it could be a wwe champion but every week, there's going to be somebody different. I don't believe in general managers, all right? You like that? <laughs> I do. We're going to run things, and we're going to run them properly. And I'm going to be working for you. You're going to get lots of freebies from Donald Trump. And the... <laughs> yeah, all right. I <laughs> wonder if anybody out there even remember that. Like Jerry Lawler's reaction to that, by the way. Uh, wrapping up 2009, WWE releases Candice Michelle and Sim Snooker. It was interesting because when Candice Michelle got released, she went on the WWE Universe blog and, you know, just gave such a inspirational, upbeat, positive thank you to everybody. She writes, Dear WWE Universe, today is the first day of my next journey. I am filled with excitement and gratitude that I want to express. A lot of exclamation points, by the way, in this uh, statement. First and foremost, I want to say thank you to McMahon family. You know what? We got to include the exclamation points if we say this. All right, ready? Today is the first day of my next journey, exclamation point. I am filled with excitement and gratitude that I want to express, exclamation point. First and foremost, I want to say thank you to the McMahon family, exclamation point. Thank you, Vince, Linda, and Stephanie, exclamation point. I've had an amazing five years wrestling for you guys, exclamation point. You have taught me and given me so many incredible memories, 
exclamation point. My time in WWE was so heartfelt and an incredible journey that I will never forget. I want to thank the people who have helped me there to be successful, exclamation point. Thank you, Johnny Laurinaitis, Mark Carano, and the rest of Talent Relations, exclamation point. Thank you to the amazing agents, Arn, Dean, Ricky, Mike, Fit, Barry, Steve, and Billy. You guys are incredible at what you do, and it was so exciting for me to get the opportunity to learn from the best, exclamation point. Speaking of the best, John Cena was a champ in every sense of the word, inside and outside the ring, exclamation point. Thank you, John, for our great friendship, conversations, and encouragement in the business, exclamation point. I have so many fun-filled memories on the road that I'll never forget, thanks to Victoria, Tori, uh, Carlito, Tommy, and Mickey, one half of the Nasty Girls, exclamation point. You guys will all be my buddies for life, and I'll never forget you, exclamation point. It's almost done, everybody. Thank you to the other amazing superstars and divas, exclamation point. You guys are simply the best at what you do, exclamation point. You have contributed so much in me becoming a wrestler, thanks to Triple H, Big Show, Melina, Mickey, John Cena, Tommy Dreamer, Shawn Michaels, and everyone else who has helped me in the ring in no particular order, exclamation point. Thanks to the awesome crew and people behind the scenes. Without them, the show would not even begin. They are so incredible and full of talent. Exclamation point. My time in the WWE was a true blessing. Exclamation point. I am excited that I was the first WWE Diva Search contestant to be become WWE Women's Champion. Exclamation point. I know I have paved the way for the women like me and so proud of them now. Exclamation point. Go get them, ladies. You're so talented and beautiful. Exclamation point. A special dedication to all the amazing and wonderful fans who have supported me, made sites for me, were always positive, and most importantly, showed your love, exclamation point. I really appreciate you, exclamation point. I hope to see you in my next journey, exclamation point. I feel it is coming fast, exclamation point. You can see my new website in less than one and a half months at candacemichelle.com and catch up with my updates also on Twitter, exclamation point. I have loved that journey and ready to grow into the next chapter, exclamation point. Stay tuned. Much more to come, exclamation point. Yours truly, Candace Michelle. Uh, as long as that took for me to read is not as long as it took for WWE to take that down. That shit was up there for about 15 minutes. WWE took it down. I don't know if it was their disagreement with uh, the excessive use of the exclamation point or they just didn't want it up there. It's just, uh, <laughs> 2010 WWE has their fatal four-way pay-per-view from Long Island, New York. Dark match, Zack Ryder of MVP. Kofi Kingston retains the Intercontinental Championship, defeating Drew McIntyre. Alicia Fox over Gail Kim, Eve, and Maurice in a fatal four-way to retain the Divas title. Evan Bourne over Chris Jericho. Rey Mysterio defeats CM Punk, Big Show, and Jack Swagger in a fatal four-way to win the World Heavyweight Championship. The Miz over R-Truth to retain the United States Championship. The Hart Dynasty over the Usos and Tamina. You had Sheamus win uh, the WWE Championship, defeating Edge, John Cena, and Randy Orton in a fatal four-way. The same week, we had two other wrestling events go down that are definitely worth a watch if you can get your hands on the footage. First, we have Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor 8, taking place from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. You know, not a bad. It was uh, only available online. And $14.95 was the original selling price. Dark matches, Bravado Brothers over Mike Seidel and Sebastian Suave. Bobby Dempsey and Grizzly Redwood over Ernesto Osiris and Rip Impact. The main card had Kevin Steen over El Generico. Kenny King and Red Titus over Cheech and Cloudy. Delirious defeats Austin Aries. Roderick Strong over Colt Cabana 
Eddie Edwards, Sean Davari, Steve Carino, and Tyson Ducks for a future title match at Glory by Honors event. Christopher Daniels over Kenny Omega in a pick series, six series match. The Kings of Wrestling, Claudio Castagnoli and Chris Hero retain the Ring of Honor tag titles, defeating the Briscoes. And the main event, Tyler Black retains the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight title, defeating Davey Richards. You had Akira, El Samurai, and Koji Kanemoto defeat Ryozuki Taguchi, Super Strong Machine, and Tama Tonga. Mitsuhide Hirasawa, Manaba Nakanishi, and Kushida lose to Gato, Takashi Izuka, and Tomohiro Ishii. Mohamed Yon over Tomokai Honma, Shinsuke Nakamura over Daniel Pewter, Hiroki Goto over Masato Tanaka, Watari Inoue and Yuji Nagata lose the IWGP Tag Team Championships in a three-way. Bad intentions of Giant Bernard and Carl Anderson win the titles, defeating uh, Inoue and Nagata and Tetsuya Naito and Yuhiro Takahashi. For the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title, Prince Devitt, a.k.a. Finn Balor, defeats Nomonichi uh, Marafuji to win the belt. You had Hiroshi Tanahashi over Toriyanu in a hair versus hair match. In the main event for the IWGP heavyweight title, Toji Makabe over Go Shiozaki. 2011 <laughs> Capital Punishment pay-per-view. Hey, who would ever thought we'd have sound clips from two presidents in the same show? Capital Punishment pay-per-view from Washington, D.C. First, let's get into the matches. Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov defeat Heat Slater and Justin Gabriel. Dov Ziggler over Kofi Kingston to win the United States title. Alex Riley over The Miz. Alberto Del Rio over The Big Show by referee stoppage. Ezekiel Jackson over Wade Barrett to win the IC title. CM Punk over Rey Mysterio. Randy Orton beats Christian to retain the World Heavyweight title. Evan Bourne over Jack Swagger. The main event, John Cena over R-Truth to retain the WWE Championship. And right before Cena and R-Truth came out, we had an appearance by President Barack Obama. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome at this time the 44th President of the United States of America. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Thank you. <laughs> now, first, let me say this. It's an honor to be here with you all at Capital Punishment tonight. I have so many great WWE memories. Now, do you know that every Monday night, when I tell my cabinet that I'm working on our budget, I'm up in the Oval Office watching Monday Night Raw. <laughs> and let me finally lay this to rest right here, right now. No, I am not the anonymous Raw general manager. Oh. If I was, we'd be seeing a lot less Michael Cole and a lot more <laughs> Jim Ross. There you go. God, I love that fat bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he just called. Now, good luck to WWE champion John Cena.
Good luck to our truth. Uh, it's actually kind of funny. R-Truth is like the Joe Biden of the WWE. Uh, I can never really understand what he's saying, but he sure is a hoot. <laughs> now, kudos to the man in charge of the Friday Night Smackdown, Teddy Long. Uh, Teddy's kind of like a combination of George W. Bush and myself. Uh, he's either doing the wrong thing or nothing at all. Holla, holla, holla. <laughs> no. I cut it off before he went to the ring with Booker T and did the spin rooney and Ah, oh, painful. Very painful. But this Barack Obama lookalike was a lot better than the one they did with Hillary. Remember that? Oh, my God. Those plastic ears that they did at the time, horrendous. Not good. 2011. Right after the fact that CM Punk beat Rey Mysterio Capital Punishment, they did a number one contenders match on Raw to determine who was going to face John Cena at the next pay-per-view for the WWE Championship. You had CM Punk defeat Rey Mysterio and Alberto Del Rio on a three-way. And after he won the match, CM Punk got on the mic and reminded everyone that he his contract with WWE, uh, I think, expired in like 17 days, and that he was going to win the WWE Championship and leave WWE with the title. Now, I know you already know what went down, but in a couple of weeks, we will cover it. Definitely worth covering. Same week, WWE releases Chavo Guerrero Jr. Uh, for everyone at the time who thought that Chavito was very frustrated at being buried and all that hornswoggle shit, yeah, he was not happy, and uh, he voiced uh, some feelings about it after, you know, he was released. You know, it was what it was. 2011, another New Japan event worth checking out. There's 618 from Osaka, Koji Kanemoto over Hir Hiromo Takahashi. You had Brian Kendrick, Gato, and Jado over Jusen Dundalaga, Kushida, and Tiger Mask. For the CMLL World Welterweight Championship, Mascara Dorada wins the title, defeating Ryuzuki Taguchi. You had Hiroshi Tenzan, Wataru Inoue, and Yuji Nagata over Masato Tanaka, Takashi Izuka, and Tomohiro Ishii. Yuhiro Takahashi over Tetsuya Naito. Kodi Ibushi wins the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, defeating Prince Devitt. Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki over Satoshi Kojima and Toji Mikabe. For the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, MVP retains, defeating Toriano. You had Giant Bernard and Carl Anderson representing IWGP. They defeated Takuma Sano and Yoshihiro Takayama. It was a tag team match for both the GHC tag titles and the IWGP tag titles. In the main event for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Hiroshi Tanahashi retains, defeating Hiroki Goto. You know what? I'm going to include this card, too, since I think you'll really enjoy it. They debuted two new AAA titles at this event, the Latin American Championship and the World Trios title, and you had competitors from TNA involved. It was AAA, AAA's Triple Mania event, the number 19 from Mexico City, Mexico. Dark match, Aerostar, Argos, Phoenix, and Suji-san over Dark Dragon, Desnes, Tigre de Cota, and Tito Santana. Angelina Love, Mickey James, Sexy Star and Velvet Sky over Cynthia Moreno, Fabi and Mary Apache, and Lolita. Electroshock, Heavy Metal, and Joe Leiter over Chessman, Silvercane, and Ultimo Gladiador in a TLC match. 
You had Los Bizarros defeat La Parca, Dark Oz, and Drago, along with Octagon. Extreme Tiger and Jack Evans over Abyss and Mr. Anderson in a steel cage match to retain the AAA tag team titles. Los Peros del Mal, which was Damien 666, Halloween, and X-Fly. Defeat Los Psycho Circus, which was Monster Clown, Murder Clown, and Psycho Clown in an Extreme Rules match to become first ever AAA World Trios champions. Jeff Jarrett over El Zorro to win the AAA World Heavyweight title. And by the way, I made Jeff Jarrett the first foreign-born wrestler to win the AAA title. Why, some of you may ask... Ah, uh, why not? L.A. Park over El Maceus in a mask versus hair match. Uh, after the match, El Maceus had his head shaved bald. In the main event, Dr. Wagner Jr. over Rob Van Dam to become the first ever AAA Latin American champion. 2012, Long Island, New York. First time in the WWE ring since 1985. Cindy Lauper and Wendy Richter make an appearance. This was a segment that also featured Roddy Piper and Heat Slater. Cindy Lauper smashed the re- the record over Heat Slater's head, almost like Piper did to Albano back in '85. You know, Heat Slater's head got busted open hard way, and you know it was it was a memorable segment. I again, I still don't understand why Cindy Lauper was not put in the WWE Hall of Fame after all of these years. Unbelievable. Wrapping up 2012, TNA sues Scott Steiner for breach of contract. This was when Scott Steiner was really giving the bad mouth to TNA, Hulk Hogan, and Eric Bischoff. You know, it was what it was. They ended up, you know, squashing the suit. Took a little while, but uh, the suit was pretty much done. 2013, Ring of Honor had their best in the world event at uh, Baltimore, Maryland's The Burns Arena. And this was the last time that they would have a live internet pay-per-view. Again, running shit on the cheap. And I don't I think they underestimated how many people would actually order the event. And they had so many problems, didn't want to spend the money, and they started doing it on video on demand after this. But match results, BJ Whipner over Mike Bennett, the American Wolves over ACH and Tadarius Thomas. Adam Cole over Roderick Strong, Michael Elgin over Tommaso Ciampa. In a three-way for the Ring of Honor TV title, Matt Taven retains, defeating Jimmy Jacobs and Jay Lethal. For the Ring of Honor tag titles in a three-way, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly retain, defeating Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander and Cliff Compton and Rhett Titus. In an ODQ match to become number one contender for the Ring of Honor heavyweight title, Matt Hardy, with Steve Carino in his corner, defeats Kevin Steen. In the main event for the Ring of Honor heavyweight title, Jay Briscoe retains defeating Mark Briscoe. 2013, Corey Graves wins his one and only NXT title. He teams up with Adrian Neville to defeat Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Unfortunately, concussions would spell a demise to Corey Graves not too long after this. Um, He retired uh, at the end of 2014. Now he's one of the best commentators in WWE. TV. 2014, Vicky Guerrero retires from pro wrestling, but would go out on a very entertaining note. Um, Stephanie McMahon, you know, the week earlier, as since Vicky was the GM, she allowed Roman Reigns to compete in an over-the-top battle royal for a spot at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Roman Reigns, under no circumstances, was supposed to be able to compete. Vicky allowed him to compete. 
He competed. He won. Stephanie was pissed off. Stephanie wanted to fire Vicky, but instead gave Vicky an option to either uh, get fired or face her in a match later on. Uh, the match ended up being in chocolate pudding. Yeah, it was comical. And you know what? To see Vicky come out with uh, Eddie Guerrero's theme music, it, it's a good memory. If you if you haven't seen it in a while, go back and watch it. You know, Stephanie McMahon gets thrown in the pudding and, you know, it's comical. But, you know, nice way for Vicky to go out, especially since for so many years people just didn't like her on TV. She ended up being one of the better heels over the last uh, 10, 15 years. Non-wrestling heels, I should say. Uh, now, 2015. So, last audio for tonight, but I figured it's noteworthy. Um, boy, you know, right now on WWE television, you have Seth Rollins feuding with Brock Lesnar and others. And you keep hearing these promos cut by Paul Heyman about Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins cutting his promo on Brock Lesnar, back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. I have pointed out in the past how a lot of uh, segments that we see currently on WWE TV uh, have been going on for three, four, five, six years in some cases, and you wonder why people lose interest. Well, I want to share with you right now a segment that aired this week in 2015. Quite honestly, if you take all of the reference of the authority out of this promo, I personally think you can air this right now on WWE television and nobody would think anything of it. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel it is incumbent upon me to offer a public apology in advance for what my client is going to do to that slinky, slimy, disgusting, disreputable, repulsive, repugnant, dirty, lousy, rotten, stinking, sycophantic, parasitic, thief, Rollins! The champion who won the title from the challenger, the golden boy of NXT, the very first NXT heavyweight champion. I wonder how the hell that happened. Protected in NXT from day one. Protected by his brothers in the shield from day one. Protected by every member of the authority from day one since he made the decision to sell his long-term soul for the short-term gain of being listed in the history books as holding the title in the year 2015 until the other day happened when the authority made the decision that sacrificing the so-called future of WWE to the conqueror Brock Lesnar is what's beast for business. Seth Rollins, on July 19th, you may think you're flying the battleground into St. Louis, Missouri, but what you have, my man, is a one-way, all-expenses-paid, first-class ticket to Suplex City, bitch! 
2015 people, not 16, not 17, not 18, not 19, 2015, believe that. Believe that. Also this week at 15, Tyson Kidd unfortunately undergoes career-ending neck and spinal surgery. You know, the more you read as far as what he actually had done, man, uh, he could have died. That's how serious this, this injury was. Not not good, but at least from what we see uh, online and on video, he is doing great right now. I'm sure he fucking absolutely hates the fact he can't work, wrestle in the ring. You know, I don't know if there'll ever be a time that he'll ever be able to return, but, you know, we wish him nothing but the best. Speaking of best, I'm going to wrap this up momentarily. 2015 also gave us Ring of Honor's Best in the World event from New York City. Mark Briscoe over Donovan Djak. You had Adam Page of BJ Whitner over Matt Seidel and ACH. Dalton Castle over Silas Young. Hanson and Raymond Rowe over Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander. Roderick Strong defeats Michael Elgin and Moose in a three-way to become the number one contender for the TV and world titles. Bullet Club of AJ Styles and the Young Bucks over Adam Cole, Michael Bennett, and Matt Taven. The Addiction, which was Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian over Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly in an ODQ match to retain the Ring of Honor tag titles. In the main event, Jay Two Belts. Jay Lethal defeats Jay Briscoe in a title versus title match to retain the TV title and win the heavyweight title. 2015, Jeff Jarrett returns to TNA. This time he has Global Force Wrestling with him. Eventually, they would spark the TNA versus GFW feud, which honestly did not go anywhere. It was kind of Shangata, to be honest. And wrapping up 2015, Matt Hardy and Rebby gave birth to their first child. They became the proud parents of King Maxell. 2016, let's reminisce at the night that Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns were all WWE heavyweight champion all in the same night. Absolutely true, and I'll explain how it went down. We had the Money in the Bank pay-per-view from Las Vegas, Nevada. Two pre-show matches, Golden Truth over Brazango, Lucha Dragons over the Dudleys. The event had the New Day over Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, Enzo and Kaz, and the Vaudevillains in a fatal four-way to retain tag titles. Baron Corbin over Dolph Ziggler, Charlotte and Dana Brooke over Natty and Becky Lynch, Apollo Crews over Sheamus, AJ Styles over John Cena, Dean Ambrose wins the Money in the Bank briefcase, defeating Sami Zayn, Chris Jericho, Cesaro, Kevin Owens, and Alberto Del Rio. Rusev over Titus O'Neil to retain the United States title. And the main event, Roman Reigns, who was the WWE Heavyweight Champion, he loses the belt to Seth Rollins. So now both of them had the title that night. Dean Ambrose cashes in the briefcase, defeats Seth Rollins in eight seconds. So Dean Ambrose walks out of the pay-per-view as the Heavyweight Champion. So all three had that title that night. Uh, about a day later, Roman Reigns suspended 30 days for the wellness program. Now, we would find out later had to do it Adderall. Wasn't anything malicious on Reigns' part. He served the 30-day suspension. We haven't had any issues since. Uh, not a big deal. Wrapping up this show, 2017 Money in a Bank from St. Louis, Missouri. During this event, we had the return of Maria this time, she was with her husband, Mike Kanellis, and we had that memorable new theme song. Simply the greatest, greatest. Uh, I won't do anymore. The Hype Bros over the Colognes. You had Carmella over Becky Lynch, Charlotte, Natty, and Tamina to win the Money in a Bank briefcase. 
The New Day over the Usos by count out, so the tag titles do not change hands. Naomi over Lana to retain the women's title. For the WWE Championship, Jinder Mahal retains over Randy Orton. Breezango over the Ascension. And the main event, Money in the Bank ladder match for the WWE Future Contract, Baron Corbin defeats AJ Styles, Dolph Ziggler, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Shinsuke Nakamura. And finally, same week, Ring of Honor had the Best in the World event from Lowell, Massachusetts. You have Flip Gordon, along with uh, Coast to Coast, defeating Cheeseburger and the Tempura Boys. Chris Wolf and Sumi Sakai over Diana Peraza and Mandy Leon. El Terrible and Ultimo Guerrero over Matt Taven and Vinny Marseglia. You had Frankie Kazarian over Adam Page in an eight-man tag match. Uh, the losing team must disband Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, Jay White, and Jonathan Gresham over Caprice Coleman, Kenny King, Red Titus, and Shane Taylor. Jay Lethal over Silas Young. Dalton Castle and the boys defeat Bully Ray and the Briscoes uh, to win the Ring of Honor six-man tag titles. Kushida retains the TV title over Marty Scroll. In a three-way tornado tag team match for the Ring of Honor tag titles, the Young Bucks retain defeating the War Machine and uh, the Best Friends, which was Beretta and Chucky e. T. In the main event, Cody Rhodes wins the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship, defeating Christopher Daniels. Notable birthdays this week. Those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday to John Tenta, Larry Dx Henning, Alibaba, Wahoo McDaniel, Salvatore Belomo, Mitsuhara Masawa, Fred Bruno, King Kong Clayton, Angel Azteca, Juan Sebastian, Don Kent, Pepe Lopez, Rudy Kay, Andrew Lutziger, Les Rufin, Jerry Meeker, Moondog Nathan, Don Evans, The Great Goliath, Alo Lalani, Larry Sheen, Jose Miguel Perez, Big Red, Billy Hansen, The Golden Terror, Jay Youngblood, Adolfo Moreno, Umanozuki Uida, Chief White Owl, Leo Namalini, Vic Weber, George Doucette, Pete Alzaz, and Billy the Kid. Happy birthday to all of you. Tom Andrews turns 82, Mickey Doyle 71, El Connect 68. I'm going to include her. Very important back in the 80s. Cindy Lauper turns 66. Tomezo Sunazaki and Todd Gordon turned 65, Coco Beware 62. Zeus, George Takano, and Chicky Star are 61. Super Ration is 59, Big Vito, Mark Youngblood, and Don West 56. Everybody wants me to do it at Don West in person. Remember Shop at Home? Everyone, Barry Bonds, and Barry Bonds. It's early. I can't do it right now. Sorry. Chica Romero and Mosca de la Merced are 55. Melissa Coates, Mr. Ganizuki, and Steve Wilder, 51. Tarahiro Fujizaki, Kenny Chaos, and Madman Pondo are 50. Anthony Michaels turns 49. Lou Marconi, Takafumi Ito, and Ryushi Yanazagawa are 47. Zubasa and Marissa Mazzola McMahon. I'm going to include everybody knows who she is. They turn 46. Bam Neely and Amber Gallows are 45. Fuyuhiro for, for, for Kuruma is 44. Kataro Suzuki, Kengo Takai, Tyson Ducks, Amanda Violet, and Arroyo Muto are 42. Billy Real, what's up, my friend? Adam Pierce, Takashi Tachibana, and Quentin Rampage Jackson. Yes, he did fight in TNA once. They turn 41. Sari Ozumi, Matt Stryker, and James Mason turn 40. 
Tetsuya Naito is 37. Scotty Slade, Nozomo, Nozomi, Kudo, Brandy Rhodes, Primos, Gordino, and Car Kurt Kruger are 36. Andy Dalton, Ray Oris, Christina Sager, and Bubblegum, love that name, turn 35. Jessica Havoc, Jasmine Duke, and Hiromi Mimura are 33. Rhea Von Slasher and Mill Mongoose turn 32. Billy Kay and Omar Brunetti are 30. Casey Lennox and Ludark Chatan are 28. Chabela La Atrevida is 26. And happy birthday, Koda Sekifuda is 24. Mick Foley debuted this week in 86. Kane in 92. Spike Dudley in 94. Bill Goldberg in 1997. Robert Roode in 98. Cole Cabana in 99. Josh Matthews in 01, Alistair Black in 02, Stu Bennett in 2004, Billy Kay in 2007, and Matt Riddle in 2008. And finally, notable deaths this week, those who passed away this week in history. Cora Coombs at 92, Oni Wiki Wiki at 88, Black Panther Jim Mitchell and Al Sparks at 87, Bill Lee at age 86, Patsy O'Neill, 85, Jackie Fargo, 82, Natty Brown at 81, Bud Osborne at 80, Larry Nelson and Hans Stanky at 78. Billy Red Lions and Harry Harrell at 77. Cowboy Bradley at age 75. Pat O'Hara at 74. Carlos Enriquez at 73. Tension Yonemura at 69. Adorable Ruby died at age 68. Crazy Luke Graham, Great Kuzatsu, and Mr. Pogo died at 66. Vader died at age 63. Stan Stasiak at 60. Vince Montana at 56. Roy Graham and Boogie Woogie Brown died at age 54. Buddy Landell at 53. Tim Burke at 50. Donnie, Johnny Demchuk at 49. Beef Wellington at 46. Tony Adams, 45. Nancy Benoit at 43. Chris Benoit at 40. Victor the Bodyguard at 38. Larry Doyle, 37. Lionheart, Adrian McCallum at 36. Trent Acid and J.T. Roberts at 29, John Ruffin at 25, and Christopher Crow died at age 21. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was a little longer than usual. Uh, I got so much feedback from last week's episode. I guess you kind of made me go a little extra balls out with this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. A lot of work put into it, trust me. Follow me on Twitter at Don Tony D, the website, dontony.com. Email me, dontony at dontony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. Remember, we have a Discord channel now that is banging, busy, always interacting with all of the hosts. And as always, if you like what we do, you want to help support the shows, help keep these free for everyone, help us keep the bills paid, and in return, get a boatload of extra content, consider the Patreon page, patreon.com slash dontony. You could sign up for as little as two bucks, get so much additional content there that is not available anywhere else. It's our way of thanking you for supporting us. So I am out here. Everyone enjoy the rest of the week. Please send your feedback. It is always welcomed and appreciated. And I will talk to you soon. Ciao, everybody. Summer's not here long, so seize the sizzle with Walmart. Find all your faves such as Oscar Mayer hot dogs, Kraft singles, and Heinz ketchup. This time of year is all about living easy and sizzling good food. Whether you're cooking for two or for a houseful, grilling outside makes mealtime simple, delicious, and fun. When the coals are hot, be grill ready with all the best ingredients from Walmart. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found... 
MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I can go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I can learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com.